1: Hello everybody. It's just after 8. So, oh, oh, is it that time already? Yes, it, <laughs> yes it is actually. Uh, 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 this is series 15 episode number 28 of midweight Motorsports. Uh, my name's John Hindorff. If it's your first time, you are very, very welcome uh, to our two hours of uh, calamitous nonsense uh, or Insightful news. You be the judge uh, after this. I'd spec your team and how you would uh, if you'd like to get in touch with us, please. Uh, up in London is our executive producer, Tim Green. Good evening, Tim.
2: Good evening, John. And if this is your first time listening to us, where have you been for the last 15 and a half years?
1: Exactly so. A fair point well made. I mean, Some of However, you weren't
2: alive 15 and a half years ago.
1: Was Johnny Palmer alive 15 and a half years
2: ago? Not in the photo you published of him this
1: week. No, I know. That's that's very true. It's the only one I could find. It really was. Could you not have
2: uh, found one of the ELMS paddock, perhaps?
1: Uh, he's quite he's quite good at staying out of sight, to be honest. Uh, on a pack programme tonight, we have what?
2: Uh, we have most of the usual features. Uh, right. But we don't have a big interview, um, but we have a little interview uh, that we're not going to have in uh, the big interview, because it's our top story. Uh, so All I right, suppose okay. in that respect, it is big, because it's big news, but it's not very long. Uh, yeah, okay. We're going okay. to be looking at <laughs> I think Moto, I'm following you. MotoGP. Yep. Uh, we've got Nick Damon's team-by-team review of the Grand Prix of Styria, and the return of a feature from many years ago
1: okay plus IndyCar, BTCC and formula e which we forgot about completely last week at the end of the show Of course, uh, but yes. interesting we might interesting again but interestingly formula e presented that as a brand new story today oh, uh, which, which was extraordinary of course. Um, okay uh, that's to come shit i am remind you to
2: actually uh, do it this week by sending you the, the press release over again
1: well, that's true. Uh, shit Adam will be joining us uh, in the second hour tonight. With a bit of look. we'll get hold of Dex Brennan as well, Declan Brennan uh, at the race tool, who will be talking to us about a new racing series uh, in the US. We've got an, uh, uh, a, a couple of brace of MotoGP stars as well, looking forward to the new season. That's all in the second half tonight. As well. All right, aspect entertainment. Hello to John in Stryer. He said uh, about 13 hours ago, he said, good night. Uh, good morning, John. And good night to me, John. He spelt without the H. Looking forward to waking up to an all new episode of Midweek Motorsport. Hashtag full metal dreams. I'm stealing that. It's fantastic. Sarah Rigby wasn't expecting to be listening tonight. She had a feeling she'd be home late from a 12-hour shift, but she's just tweeted that she's on her way to the chippy and she'll probably get home for the start of the show. Hope you got mushy peas, Sarah, up there in crew. Kevin Payne listening in tonight. He enjoyed the European Le Mans series preview last night. Hello to Rod Skins, Who's next door? Not really. To off Towers. Uh one of the most active members of the Fiat Cinquecento Club in the UK. Uh, Rod, nice to know that uh, you're listening in. hope you and Sally are very well. Hello to Paul Dunk, uh, who's uh, on the line tonight as well, or online tonight, should I say. Uh, Chris uh, is listening in and catching up. she has been catching up with the LMS preview as well. Hello to Lynn Young, who's tuned in tonight to Robert Butterfield. To uh, Johannes Gwaglika. he said, just in case you talk about VLN, NLS tonight, uh, Vol- Volker Stricek, former head of Opel Performance Centre, who I worked with when I was at RML, now has the all-time most-class wins uh, in the VNL VLN. Rather. At 133, the previous record holder, Johannes Scheid, who campaigned the Eiffel Blitz BMW, shut down uh, his team, after 50 years in racing, and was there at the weekend to present the 133rd trophy to Volker, which I thought was a lovely uh, touch. It was a double header at the weekend and cracking races both covered by Bruce Jones and Peter Snowden for us. The second race in particular uh, and a double win for a brand new team. Do you after think the another, one was better? Uh, well. The first one was very good. The second one, obviously, the result, because of the disqualification, uh, meant it was the first time ever that we had uh, a brand-new team win two races in a row.
2: So, well, it's yeah, pretty good. that's true. I thought the uh, first broad- day's race was a better race.
1: It was a very good race, very close at the end. Uh, Brody says, no AFA's tonight. Is it Wednesday already? Uh, I'm tuning in as I fall asleep in a nice glass of something. Busy day, mate. Come on, Brody. Keep awake. Chris Suku has ticked off all the items on the list. Uh, 10,000 steps, yes. Gran Turismo Sport Labs, yes. Ice cream ration, yes. Midweek Motorsport, no AFAs tidying the study while listening tonight. Oh, okay, Chris, good. Alex Orkin, uh, crumbed pesto cod, new potatoes, green steamed veg, a chilled glass of Mirabeau Rosé. After record-breaking washing up, I'm retiring to my office to listen and work multitaskingly, allegedly. Daniel Summersgill, EFA, listening to the podcast in the morning. Good morning, Dan- Daniel Summersgill. Uh, uh, thought Graham Rahal was lucky to escape injury following the hit in the concrete wall at Road Atlanta. Looked nasty on TV. Uh, it did, and we'll talk about that in the second half tonight. Uh, and uh, Rob Jenner looking in into in the first line in ages... Uh, he says Phil Kinch some much needed family time tonight love the TCR series fight at Monza uh, great job by the team uh, with Blackpool Johnny on duty felt the heartbreak for Brutal Fish by KCMG in the last 30 minutes I think we all did what a weekend that was uh, as well uh, Mike Sargent first time listening in, the w- in a while what are the odds of Ferrari not scoring points in back to back weekends we'll talk about that later Seattle is where Randy Brown is tuning in from third round of the, uh, he's watching the third round of the NLS at the weekend, looking forward to the bonus Sebring this weekend we'll have all the news from Imza later as well, Carol Brink and the Brink family Robinson tuning in from two different locations one at 65 degrees Fahrenheit that's 18 degrees centigrade and one at 39 degrees Celsius that's 102 degrees Fahrenheit guess which one is where, I'm guessing Kevin, Kevin is in the hot place Carol in Monterrey. curry sauce and battered bangers says John McCarthy. Oh, that was to uh, Sarah on the way to the yes. No EFAs for Entropy Nebula today. Back from a day to Weston. Unexpected surprise of a 97 Aston on shakedown runs. Ooh, very good. Uh, hello to Save Phil, EFA for Midweek Motorsport, listening uh, to a number of other things tonight, including our ELMS podcast. Uh, also, Simon Hoff getting ready for... Midweek Motorsport, is F1 entering a new golden age? Hmm. David Monk, no AFAs. Listening live from a rain-drenched Munich, just printed my tickets for the big one, the 24 Hours of Le Mans. Patrick Drone now listening in. Jack Gabriel, hat-trick of listening live, but my wi is not going to let me. Oh, no. Uh, uh, hello to Moni Elysium, who's chained in. Good evening, Monica, or good afternoon, as it is for you. So, Dirty Uncle Kevin tuned in while playing Forcer. Uh, looking after a cat who's a bit under the weather. Jack Martin's tuned in. Serafina Chu uh, and Right Turn Lover. Dedrick Baker is heading off to work, but he'll be listening on the podcast later on. Uh, and Shea Adam is listening in before she's on the show. At Spec Your if you'd like to get in touch with us, here's the top story. Shuffle your papers if necessary. Tim Gray, here we go.
0: All the latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport.
1: Delighted to welcome back to Midweek Motorsport. On the telephone now, a great friend of ours and of the show and of motorsport in general, Ted Giovannis. Ted uh, from TGM, Ted Giovannis Motorsport, uh, one of our uh, IMSA partners, of course. Ted, first of all, before we get down to business, all pleasure, because racing can be both, of course. How are you and how's the family at the moment?
3: Uh, I'm doing great, John, and thanks for having me on. Um, both my daughters have done well and we're um, making do in this uh, challenging time, but we're, we're doing good.
1: Uh, and we're going to talk about the situation um, with, uh, with COVID-19 and the situation that uh, the whole world is in. At the moment has rather thrown a wrench in in your plans this year uh, give us give us the news that you, you're letting us have here on Midweight motorsport uh
3: well uh first of all i think i need to say uh before i say anything else that we're uh 100 to racing racing is our passion we're committed to imsa and we're actually committed to the michelin pilot sports series and uh, when we started the, this year, we had planned for the championship, and uh, we were going to uh, do some testing. But what happened is uh, COVID uh, nineteen came in, and it sort of changed the uh, um, it changed the whole program of what we are doing. And so, uh, what we are doing now, we are uh, we find, and I'll, I'll give you reasons in in a little while. Uh, what we are doing, we're going to suspend our, um, our racing activities uh, for uh, the time being to focus uh, on uh, COVID nineteen issues, which you will we will talk about in a minute. But so this is a this is a temporary pause in our racing program. But we will our intent is to resume on track activities. Um, and the key,
1: then, the key point there is temporary pause. Uh, you used those words, yeah. and they're very important. I know that you've been in constant touch with Imza all the way up to John Doonan, the man uh, at the top, to ensure that they know uh, what your 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 thinking and your thought process is. I've I've got to tell you, Ted, you know you're not alone in this in terms of of how. The whole landscape has changed. Uh, your situation, perhaps a little bit different than many, because of your uh, your involvement in healthcare down through the years, and in particular with the foundation as well, which is which is understandably, I think, when people hear what you've got to say, has has focused you in a slightly different area at the moment. Uh,
3: y- yes, it has. Uh, about. Uh, as best as I uh, can recall, but about three to four years ago, uh, the foundation uh, began a collaboration with uh, the National Institutes of Health and the National Cancer Institute. And that collaboration uh, formulated projects that had mathematical modelers and uh, clinicians and other uh, Ph.D. type researchers to form collaboratory teams to develop mathematical models to measure something uh, about cancer, about how cancer uh, cells interact. And uh, those projects were fairly successful. Uh, one particularly that just won an award. Uh, it was uh, by, a, by a man named uh, Paul Macklin at Indiana University. Uh, he created a model called Cell, which deals with how cell cancer cells interact with each other and uh, healthy cells and how cancer cells replicate and multiply. And as that turns out, uh, one further thing folks need to understand, there are lots of similarities between these cancer cell multiplications and viruses, and including the coronaviruses. So uh, that's sort of where this comes from. And we are now engaged uh, with Dr. Macklin um, uh, in a project which is a worldwide collaborative of modelers and virologists and other researchers to develop a mathematical model to measure the effectiveness of the COVID-19 vaccines that are being developed, which right now number in excess of 140, but there's probably realistically 10 to 12 to 20 that are going to be key candidates. And so um, I suspect, but do not know, that these uh, the, these vaccines will work in different circumstances, may work for different types of pre-existing conditions, unknown right now. But they will um, all be measured in some way using this, this analytic platform.
1: Uh, and we've said... Sort of uh, helpful, John? Yeah, I mean, it's the issue that we have here, isn't it? That in every form of sport, whether it's motorsport or stick and ball sports, we're trying to strict to trying to 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 stitch into four and a half months a full season of racing. And, and did you just feel, Ted, that you, you couldn't devote the time required to go out racing when? there's something that let's be honest is bigger than all of us with this covid-19 situation and it isn't going away anytime soon
3: um, yes uh, i you're exactly right it's, it's it's time allocation and what also uh, we uh, the foundation is is has been successful because it was able to target projects in uh, in, in our judgment, where they can have the most meaningful contribution. And we, when we look at something like COVID-19, it, you're, you're always wondering, is it too big of a pool to be in? You have, uh, or Do you want to be a little fish in a big pond? And what's your impact? Or uh, can you be a slightly bigger fish in a, in a, uh, a smaller pond? But what uh, emerged was the fizzy cell project, Kind of came on the horizon, and that was a way for us to wade into the COVID-19, uh, uh, I guess, subject without being crowded out by tons of thousands of other people. And so that's why we decided we had this opportunity uh, to, uh, with with uh, the Indiana University project, to kind of wade in. And so it seemed like the best. Uh, use of foundation resources. And it was also situational time because we had another project uh, where we were expending dollars that had uh, uh, kind of terminated, a natural termination. And so there was opportunity for funding and an opportunity for this. And so now we're looking at other uh, COVID-19 type work. Excellent. But also we're continuing our cancer research work. Mm. And so uh, because that could feed into the... You know, other other types of COVID nineteen uh, well, information,
1: and I, 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 we never know where these things are, are interconnected either. And clearly, brains much bigger than a, a very small bear's brain like mine, uh, working on this. Uh, and we we respect. I think everybody respects. Um, the the hard work that's going on at the moment and, and is is pleased that that is going on behind the scenes as well in, in so many different places and it's a massive global collaboration as well which I'm not sure people really realize as far as the motor racing is concerned Ted uh, you said uh, uh, suspended on pause um, the shop is still there the two Camaros are still there the rigs are still there the guys are still there and what's more they're working towards a a, a, a real, uh, they're working with purpose towards, already towards 2021 this this isn't, you know you haven't pushed the big red stop button at all there is work going on at the moment and, and people might even see your trucks out and about doing various bits and pieces There is there is racing, maybe on the far horizon or the medium horizon at the moment but there is racing on the horizon and that's key to this decision
3: uh, yes. Yes, it is. We are. I mean, I am uh, personally committed, but our our team is committed again to um, the IMSA series, uh, specifically the Michelin pilot series. And um, uh, I want to uh, give a shout out to the folks at IMSA. They have been, um, we, we have had discussions with them, including uh, uh, John Doonan. And um, he, uh, I've I offered, our assistance to them in understanding anything that we could bring to the table with, uh, about COVID-19, but we are hundred percent committed to racing racings, uh, our passion. Uh, we are, we are not going anywhere. And so we, uh, we have our eye on 2019, I mean, 20 excuse me, 2021. Uh, but, um, uh, we have, you know, we're, we're just, it's, it's a pause, but we're going to get, we'll get back on track. Um, at some time, uh, whether we'll be full-on racing, uh, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, but hopefully, uh, after we get through these uh, speed bumps in the road with these reemergence of certain hotspots, uh, I, and I, I believe positively that they are they are uh, things that we will, everybody will overcome. The various states, I think everything is going to get back to. Uh, I, I I shudder to use this word. Some type of normalcy will yeah. be a new norm but it will be um a more predictable timeline
1: that's a good point. Of
3: normal let's put it that way
1: and and in some ways ted you uh, know and in some ways ted and obviously you know we here on on radio show limited uh, and here at Midweight motorsport we look at, at at sport on a global level uh, you're looking at health on a global level i know you are uh, in, in some ways you know if we look at a European-based championship, then there's an opportunity for European championships to get underway. There's opportunity for US-based championships to get underway. The, the last ones that are going to come back in line are the World Championships that are, that are travelling and doing flyaways and things like that. But in that respect, then IMSA, Michelin Pilot Challenge, you know, they've got a bright future. It's just nobody knows what the timeline is right now.
3: Uh, yeah. I mean, that's about it. They, they, we, um, to be honest with you, I'm actually, I have been watching the various states and, uh, as I know, MSAS to try to figure out, is there anything going to, going to happen in these various states or if they have different stay at home orders, uh, and how that might impact the schedule that that's been set forth even now. And so it's not, it's not bad. It's just part of the realism of racing in this environment it's another challenge it's
1: it's not it's another challenge ted that's all it is ted giovannis listen thank you very much we really appreciate you coming on and giving us the background to to this uh, well i know would have been a difficult decision for you in in some ways because i know how much passion you have for your racing and and how you and tgm approach it professionally really appreciate you coming on midweek motorsport Uh, stay healthy uh, stay well, and let's hope we see you at a racetrack sometime soon, sir, and the team. Uh,
3: thank you, John. Looking forward to seeing you again.
2: And we'll have uh, more news from the IMSA Paddock a little later on in the show with Shay Adam joining us uh, in the second hour.
1: Super dopes, and there's plenty of it as well. Uh, very principled man, uh, Mr. Giovannis, and I think we can. I think we've said this before, haven't we? Tim, uh, let's not criticise anybody who's not racing, let's celebrate those who are, who are, but frankly, if you're using the technology that you guys already have to try and find a cure for COVID, that's probably one of the, the, the best reasons for not being at a racetrack, to be honest. Uh moving on. Where do you want to go next?
2: Uh let's go. Well let's say hello to our radio controlled car correspondent Nick Damon.
4: Whiz 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 whiz. I should Where's it? I think it's than that. No, yeah, I can't I can't do
2: 28,000 revs. Uh and nor can the podium uh vehicles in uh Formula 1 they were a bit Yay. trundly, weren't
4: they? They were a little bit trundly. Oh, hang on, I've missed the cue. I go said back in. Formula again. One. But you, you, you need to go up at the end of it, like an Australian.
2: Formula One.
4: Hooray! Thank you. That's a bit uh, slow on the third. They know, were so a bit. Trund- like they were a bit trundly, weren't they, Tim? Yes. They weren't. They weren't really. Um, to mi- to my mind, they weren't kind of pushing the potential of speed. They were kind of pushing the potential of ponderousness. But it was quite. I mean, is w- know know, there
2: a, uh, something from Formula One here saying electric racing that that's not the future at all? Well, I and must did they deliberately I'm have to start them on uh, carpet, which had um, wrinkles in it, so there was no way that they were going to get going without a push?
4: I think, and all those questions need to be answered. But I think you know, the, the basic one is: they, they, they obviously didn't have a grip, sorry, they ground clearance. I mean, they look they, they, they it was quite a nice little idea. One of those things was quite a nice little idea, and in in practice, just kind of fell slightly short because they hadn't quite thought it out. But yeah, realistically, what they should have done is had the thing come in, do a J turn, or, or just would just drift into the place because it's quite easy to do.
2: Yes, you just need skilled operators.
4: And a slightly more powerful car underneath the yeah. uh, the plinth,
2: and probably less wood.
4: I get the impression they they, they got some sort of 1980s Tammy with a 540 oh, it and 540 tamir, motor, isn't it? almost certainly. And as I said, the 50 miles up the road is the is the ring, Wengel, uh, Wendler Ring uh, where we've had many so European champions. It was, but you got nearly got stopped by lightning. Yeah. Uh, and they they could have certainly found some very powerful electrical vehicles. Those things could, could have been whacking along about 75 miles an hour, no worries.
2: Uh, what did you notice about what was on the uh, little plinths, rage controlled plinths?
4: Well, it was a trophy and a trophy holder.
2: Yeah. And a hut. What what's specifically about the trophy?
4: It's the shape of the track.
2: And how is that different wood. to last week's trophies?
1: It's I was no way around. Idea.
2: It was not. It was it's exactly the same. the same, except it so was green. It. it was painted yeah. green, the colour of Styria, Styria, as opposed to red, the. Uh, Austrian oh. flag colour. Anyway, we'll, we'll uh, be doing Nick's team-by-team guide to the uh, Styrian Grand Prix a little later on, but we have some big Formula One news. And as we told you six weeks ago... Uh,
4: <laughs> <laughs> was it only six weeks ago? Maybe First more I than thought.
2: six weeks ago. It, it was certainly the start of June, end of May. Uh, Sebastian Vettel is going to Racing Point.
4: Well, Possibly. in fairness, I uh, John was much more pro this one than I was. Um, but it was ob- the obvious solution because he, as he, as, as he was never going to go to any of the other teams.
1: Um, he wants to be a Mercedes-Benz ambassador in his dotage. That's what he wants. So he's got to go to a Mercedes-Benz I, team. I, I think, so that's going to be an Aston
2: Martin team.
4: No, it's going to be Mercedes-Benz Mercedes AMG. And don't forget, I don't think it's too many years for for Mercedes' own Aston Martin. To be honest,
1: well, they already ordered a bit of it.
4: I'd be very surprised, and all of it in 15 years, 10 years' time. Could we see Sebastian Fettel owning a bit of it? He's got the money. Um, No, I think just obviously, Fettel has turned up and he's had two very poor races one entirely his fault, and one entirely not his fault. Um, He was slightly better than, than Charles during the second race. The car is terrible. He feels very hard done by by the way he's been treated by Ferrari. He's now been not only is he hard done by now his swan song season is going to be as uninspiring as uh, Fernando Alonso's first swan song season was because of the car, barring miracles or incredible luck, that's not winning a race this year. Um, so he so perhaps his, his desire to have a a couple more years, you know, in a project building something, which you quite rightly could lead to. Post career roles at Mercedes or a post career role at Aston Martin might might appeal to me. Yeah. I mean, and and realistically, if they have the budget, and there's no reason to suspect they don't, with um, Lawrence Stroll behind them, the 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 only obvious blocking factor is they have they have one driver who si- who brings money who signed for at least two more years after this one, and another driver who has a horrendously high chromosomal relationship to the leader, so mm. you know, and and you kind of say, well, well, you know. And also, rather more unfortunately, that the man bringing money is doing much better than the man who's related. He only finished so one place
2: ahead of him the, the weekend, though, didn't he?
4: Yes, but he was way better, uh, and, he's way be- and, and, and he is way better in every possible way. Um, so basically, um, as somebody said quite acutely, well, perhaps Lance could go and drive um, sports cars for Aston Martin. I've always said I thought he'd make a good sports car driver because his one week is qualifying; he's quite a good racer.
1: See, I don't think he will make a good. T- Sports car driver. Okay. Why? Because I don't think he's a team player.
2: He won't find okay. a rich gentleman who's the same as hi- height as him.
1: And he won't always be able to have the car the way exactly the way he wants it. No, but I think. And he's not very good in his tyres.
4: Mm, I don't think he's that bad.
1: And he's not very good at. Saving he's very good fuel. in the wet. Who is? Lance Stroll's very good. In oh, the whip. Stroll! Sorry, I thought you were talking about uh, Fettel.
4: No, Stroll. Right. Sorry, Stroll. Sorry,
1: sorry. Stroll going to
4: Aston Martin sports cars. I've always said he'd be a, make a good sports car driver. You're
1: assuming, and it's a big assumption, that Aston Martin still have a sports car too.
4: But that is true, and the other assumption is that. that and that he's not going to go to
1: JTT. T- I, t- I
2: think if
4: of uh, is that Lawrence will fire his son. Um. Well,
2: <laughs> I think if uh, Lawrence exactly. Stroll owns Aston Martin and uh, Lance Stroll wants a. Aston Martin sports car to race then Aston Martin might have a sports car programme
4: yes but um, they are saying they, could, they, that they can buy Perez out which is a really brilliant idea spending another many millions of pounds to get rid of your to your, your high functioning driver to get a less functioning driver in uh, in which case I'm pretty certain that Perez Carlos, and Carlos Slim's Mexican cash will rock up at Haas in mean, my bet because that'd be chuffed to bits to get a man with some money, with a with an America's
1: Can I nationality. Ask, he does have a North American nationality, correct? Can I? Where's the Mercedes connection? Is there any connection? No, he's got Imperial's Got nothing to do with Mercedes. It's just the fact that, that Racing Point, Aston Martin, AMG have got Mercedes engines. Yes, it's just a commercial
4: agreement with Mercedes. Well but obviously. he
1: has got. He's got. A, he's got two years left in his contract, hasn't he? That would have yes. to be bought out. Two years by plus. somebody. Yes or it could be released and just paid to go that's what will happen yes.
4: yes he he is in the strong suit at this point cuz to get rid of him is going so to cost so he could go them.
1: to Haas and actually cost Haas or or Williams or whoever else he went to he could actually cost them no money whatsoever cuz well, no, he would still be being paid. and
4: he brings money he brings sponsorship as well he's a, he's a, he's a super he's the perfect midfield driver he's solid scores lots but maximizes the car and effectively doesn't cost anything anyway because he brings sponsorship with him even after you've paid him
2: mm. okay uh, we're not going to move too far away from racing point uh because the fia scrutineers would uh-huh, like to get yes. all of their ducts in a row oh uh, very,
5: very good, good. That's, that's
4: excellent yes
2: specifically yeah. racing points ducts and last is mercedes ducts and yes, they've asked the four specimens of both
4: Yes, this is very clever, actually, because obviously the, the, the pink Mercedes, the Racing Point, whatever it is, RP, whatever, they've decided to call it one, I think, isn't it? Um, is a photographically accurate copy of last year's championship-winning Mercedes. That is that is what it is. It, it And they I said, they've done it all with, with clever photographs, and that's the whole thing. Um, but, of course, they do already have a number of parts from Mercedes. They already have the engine and gearbox and some of the suspension parts, because you're allowed to have those. They are uh, free parts and not listed parts. Listed parts are areas of the car which every team must design themselves, and includes one of the key things, which is the monocoque. But it has, up until last year, um, so in, in 2019, when the Mercedes, they photographically reproduced, you could actually buy your brake ducts from other com- other teams. Mm-hmm. But at the start of this year, you have to make your own brake ducts. Okay? So it only happened at the start of this year. Renault have gone... May uh, we? Perhaps we have seen the loophole because they can't really prove that um, you know they haven't used photographs. And apparently, if I had had a look at scans and everything else, and they're, and they're different. But they are on the impression that possibly uh, Racing Point have just you know cut a corner and forgotten conveniently, or didn't realise that the listed parts changed from 2019 to 2020, and just took some uh, some second-hand uh, Mercedes RP. A 10 uh, uh ducks and didn't do anything to them just stuck them on in which case they're going to be in trouble because the car is not designed by themselves so they've had their ducks have been seized mercedes been asked to provide their ducks as well which is interesting really of course they're not a standard they're not a standard unchanging part they change from race to race so they have to decide which particular set they want was it perhaps austria last year or low force last year, whatever it may be uh, and they are going to then have a look at them, not necessarily what they look like externally, but actually look at the internals of them, how they flow the air once it's got into the uh, intake hole. And if they are found to be the same, then there's going to be a interface of something in the fan, it would seem. And the potential is that they will be. Will that be
1: faecal matter? Thank you very much and, indeed. And an air, and an air movement device. Exactly. Yes. Right. Exactly what happened. I'm <laughs> quoting uh, Ron Dennis on that, obviously.
4: Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, so any kind of sanction from kicking them out of all the races so far to fining them to just saying don't do it again—they're all available—and it's really going to be an interesting political situation. And it's not be decided overnight because it's been f- re- referred away. So. Uh, Racing Point will continue running the system they're in, at least for the Hungarian Grand Prix, which starts in three or four days. So there is a possibility they get found. They have transgressed the regulations about this. They get the results of the first few races taken away and, of course, everyone behind them would shuffle up. So that's points for Renault, uh, amongst others. And that's where we're at. it's It's a really good traditional F1, let's
1: put in a protest and see what happens story why do you think they didn't protest right at the start why is it taking them two races um because Uh, i I think think somebody shopped them in
2: no because racing point were behind Renault at the first race
4: Ah, and this race the, the two cars finished ahead of him so they have more to gain from this one yes it's it's tactical it's not very it's a little bit kind of hmm but it's a tactical I think it's clever. I think it's clever because they knew they were going to lose the general one. They've, they had been enough tests done that they weren't going to pass the one about the overall look of the cars. So they found a, a clever little loophole. Where they got hmm, perhaps they didn't work out nineteen to twenty and realizing, perhaps they did take those designs because they were allowed to uh, at nineteen and not this year. So yeah, we'll see what happens. Um,
1: and what do you? What's your failing?
4: Uh, my feeling is. You'll have been talking to people. I know you've my, been talking well, to my, people. Well, the weird thing is that one of my very good RC friends is the man who designs the rear brake ducts for Mercedes. Um, so that's actually his job. Um, and yeah, he's designed I think twice
2: as many this year. Well,
4: he designed <laughs> just how many? No, no it's last year. Yeah, it's last year, and he's not in the production office. Um, the feeling appears to be that they may be in trouble for the rear ducts, not for the front ones. And the feeling is there isn't. Possibly um, in this current situation, an appetite to kick them out, so they might get away with um, wrist slapping and a fine, just because there's no real appetite to penalise people at the moment.
1: And take take points from them? It's unlikely. And not declare the car illegal so it couldn't run. Because my next question would be, if it was declared illegal and couldn't run, what car would they run? No, no. All they'd have to do is change the ducks. That's the whole point. That's all that's been protested. They haven't protested the car. You just
4: have to re- redesign the ducks, which, if they are the same, and you would be naturally evolving them anyway during the course of the season, would be inconvenient and maybe difficult on a short run of production if they get... You know, oh, you, hang Oh, you can 3D print some ducks in 25 this minutes. This is a bit more advanced than that, though I'm pretty sure well, but some it only
1: has to be a tiny bit different. Yeah,
4: I
2: think I think that's the point, though. They can take the, point, the ducks and attack them with a chisel
4: well no this is the point it's going to be it's
1: it's the interior that's the thing it's not the exterior the the exterior exterior could look perfectly well because you'd have took photographs of it yeah that would be that was the way i I would argue and more
4: important the exterior changes race by race so at the front Mm -hmm. um yeah so it's difficult and i and i i think renault are being clever but churlish and they're, they're they're hoping i think their ideal their best case scenario is that racing point get chucked out of these ne- the first two races of the year, and they pick up about seven or eight points up. But there's no way they're going to get chucked out of the season. Or Ale- like
1: Alexander Orkin tweets, that's about your tournament. Um, and a brake duck issue is somehow worse than Ferrari's hidden fuel supply cheating. Well, do you know what? Let's be really honest about this. They haven't got
4: where with it, have they? Because the the engines rubbish. Ended up shooting themselves in the foot because well, of it. Yeah, that's and a fair point. And this is the point I made. Mean, but they I,
1: haven't been sanctioned for
2: it.
4: But they've had. But they. But, they, but the, it's even worse than that because everyone knows what they've done.
2: And they're going to go eighteen months without a race. <laughs> and then. they've got real <laughs>
4: issues because they based because their, they were banking on and it. And they based their car and the drag versus downforce on a set amount of power, as did Hass and Sauber, that they haven't got anymore. So they are. Effectively, they've designed a car that can't ever do what it's supposed to do because they based it on having 50 horsepower more yeah and they have n- don't forget there's a freeze in engine development so they can't improve it and they've got to use so it all car they can next year. do is yeah they, uh, with only Basically. one with only one engine iteration and they've gone down a, a blind alley of, because they were
1: cheating um so what happens if a new engine supply comes into formula 1 next year That's not happening what happens if a, f- a new engine supply came into formula 1 next year it's not happening. No, but what happens if it did? Would it's there a, be allowed a certain amount of tokens?
4: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, no, no, if a new engine supplier came in, they, they, obviously they'd be open, welcomed with open arms, and they would, uh, you know, be allowed to design an engine, and I think they'd probably
1: get to, to change it a couple of times, but So a not. Ferrari didn't have a Ferrari engine next year? Yeah. Maybe yeah. if they had an Alfa Romeo engine? None of that's ever going to happen. Or a, a Fiat, Fiat engine?
4: Uh, no one's going to play that silly bees. It's not going to happen. But I like, your, I like your thinking, but well. No. What is that? Um, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting, but I, I think Ferrari have suffered um, in a far worse way than being given a fine last year. They're now suffering the court of public opinion, and where the fact they have keep denying it when it is so obvious is you know, and and it's plain to see on every single straight what's happened, uh, and they have to redesign their car effectively to take off downforce and drag. So they, even the car when they improve it will be lacking downforce. So the the, the drag downforce be adjusted. So they get more straight line speed. You know, and outside of the two really quick circuits where they might have a chance at Spa and Monza, they're going to have nothing this year, and nothing next year because of COVID. Um, so, you know, they have they haven't got away with it. They really haven't. They've they've made themselves look silly, and they've made and they've made everyone outside the the, the, the rabid tifosi. Just sit there going, you were cheating. And for how many years were you cheating?
1: You are. Uh, Nick Holland says, uh, find an internal feature, ask Tracing Point to explain its purpose. Uh, job done. Chris Suku. Well, I think so, Nick, should we start with Lance Stroll? Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, I think Nick, that's, is he an internal feature? I think he might be. It's <laughs> the car. I need to plug and play. <laughs> uh, I think Nick makes a good point that even if Renault have found out the discrepancy, they might only get uh, a slap on the risk. Uh, racing Point might only get... Uh, a plat on the ring," uh, he said. Uh, Kevin it's it, interesting. You know, what? he says, "I see the point about a slap race. If it occurred in a normal season with 130,000 races, um, then it, it might work. But this year is far from that. Any scent of uh, an issue or cheating or a fixed race, uh, it could lead to all kinds of investigations and." Things
4: like that. I don't think F1 has ever been investigated by the Americans. It's under French law, isn't it? And therefore, it's a it sits under the FIA. It's not Liberty. It's FIA who make the rules. This is not a Liberty argument. The protesters got into the stewards. The stewards are part of the FIA organisation. So.
1: Uh, copying parts in the seventies, we had privateers buying chassis and engines. We had great F1 racing. Maybe allowing F1 teams to buy chassis from the previous year uh, might allow privateer campaigns. If OEMs looked to tighten belts, I've talked about this, of course. But also, with, don't forget the
4: seventies produced the only time a team was kicked out for copying. Yes, um, with um, Shadow and who did they become after? You can say oh, I forgot. My brain's gone. Was it Wolf? No, it wasn't Wolf. It was Shadow and Arrows. First, Arrows. Sorry. Arrows. The first sorry. Arrows was a complete copy of the Shadow DM1, and they got told stop it, and they were kicked out for for doing that copying.
1: Uh, and you know, um, Andy Cotton and I have discussed privateer racing in the past in sports cars, and I don't think it would be the worst thing either you're listening to midweek Motorsports. sport well I've one more point on this on uh, series 15 episode 28 tim what you got
2: I'm not convinced that Renault have uh, found uh, the part that is the same as the Mercedes do you think um, they'll just
1: protest everything well <laughs> one bit by one bit yeah. <laughs>
2: there, there was a case in um I'm not going to say too much to give this away but there was a single seater championship um 15 or so years ago a bit more than that, between 15 and 20 years ago where there was one team that was quite dominant and everyone knew they were cheating, no one mm-hmm. knew how they were cheating and all the other teams every week would choose a part of the car to protest to see Very if it good. was that one
4: Did they find it? No Is it Arden? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, (laughs) A bit more Formula 1 news, because we've got some calendar news. Um, Oh, you do like a good calendar. Many, many weeks ago, saying that Mugello would be on the Formula 1 calendar. No, you were spot on. Nick said that would absolutely not happen. And I seem to remember him offering me a wager of that. Did
4: I? I think it's unlikely. I don't think he offered a wager on it. I I think think... he said you'd... uh... Stand naked in Bin's window in Sunderland's Fawcett Street, didn't you? Well that's just a hobby anyway. Okay. Um no I'm absolute absolutely, Tim, you were far Nailed more confident than I was. I, I just didn't I would let me get this quite clear. I'm chuffed a bit as they're going there. I just didn't think they would. I just thought Imola would get it, but Imola then then developed these internal issues with the local government. So that's why that didn't happen. mm mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and also Sochi's been confirmed.
4: Actually, on its proper date. Yes. yes. And they are trailing. There might be people there. There might be people from, where did I read? Spa upwards? No, they, that, that the Belgians won't really have spa. Spa's only like a week after the end of the complete, total, utter, complete utter, complete lockdown. Okay.
1: But Sochi's selling tickets again you uh, listening to the Midway Motorsport, it's Series 15, episode 28. Nick Damon, our Formula One correspondent, is alongside me. Although, at the weekend, he was commentating on one of... What did we have? We had five... No, we had six races <laughs> at the weekend. Mine was the longest. Uh, yours was the longest. I've, I've heard you say that before. Um, <laughs> it was longer than all of the
2: others put together.
1: Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, well... <laughs> It? 12 no.
2: plus 4
1: plus 4 plus half plus half. Oh, yeah, you're right. It's
2: 21. And Nick raced yeah. for 24. 24.
4: That's right. At the weekend, it was the third round of the VCO Grand Slam Endurance Racing Championship. And the classic this weekend was the 24-hour of spa Um And for our VCO Victory Day meeting this week, earlier on, I spoke with the four members of winning VRS Kananda SimSport team. That's Jeremy Buteloup, Yanni Takanen, Mac Backham. And, but, uh, but first, I asked Josh Rogers, what goes into planning a winning strategy?
6: You know, obviously, for uh, a 24-hour race like this, and especially considering it's all GT3 class, um, basically, all the preparation begins quite early with the BOP. Um, testing all the cars, making sure that you know 110% uh, the strengths and weaknesses of what each car is um and that way you can make a a very calculated decision on which the route's going to be the best way for you some cars are faster than others some are better from the strategy standpoint so um yeah like you say it all all the groundwork at least starts very early on
4: so jeremy um josh has alluded to testing the cars there are six cars to
7: choose from in gt3 on the i-race did you try them all or had you already eliminated some before you started uh pretty much almost all um i think we also use quite a lot of data from uh, VRS and from the official series um because we do some work um as part of the virtual racing school to prepare some data packs so we got some data from there actually from the different cars uh but i think we still tested most of them just to be sure uh, and and to make sure that we were not missing anything so it took a little bit of time uh, Especially because um, it's not just about one lap pace, but about the long, long run as well. So um, uh, there was, yeah, there was a, an important phase, I think, of testing. Um, and even I think even a few days before the race, we we're still actually doubting of uh, whether we made a good choice or not. Um, but I mean, in the end, it uh, it was a good choice. Uh, but yeah, it's it's always a tricky decision to
4: take. So Yoni, what? eventually made you plump for the McLaren, which, I have to be honest, when we when we saw the grid, myself and Ben, who were commentating, we saw there were many McLarens and many, many BMWs, we were shocked. We thought we'd see a phalanx of Ferraris, but all you pro teams have worked out that the cars to go for weren't that. you gone for the McLaren. Why was that?
8: It was uh, the fuel consumption. We calculated that we didn't have to do that much fuel saving to do one extra lap, uh, which would... Uh, Move our our strategies uh, to better better positions uh, compared to the other cars.
4: So, Mac, so you you decided you you're going to go with the uh, the McLaren. Who then between the between you works on the setup? Do you all work on the setup, or is one of you like the setup expert and and you just take what they go and move with it?
9: No, we all um, kind of do our part on the setup. I think I think we generally had a base kind of from Jeremy because he does a lot of driving for um for Virtual Racing School in the McLaren. So he kind of knows uh, like a good base for the car, I would say. And then from there, we all kind of do our own thing. We obviously communicate what we like, what we don't like. Uh, and then in the end, we kind of decide on what is best uh, for the whole collective group.
4: So, Josh, you you were the person who started the car. You're also the person who qualified the car. Now, I'm, I'm quite interested in this. How different was the qualifying setup to the race
6: setup? To be honest, the, the qualifying setup to the race setup was actually pretty much the same. I think um, obviously we did change a few different things just to kind of maximize the one lap speed compared to the overall stint speed that we were focusing on for the race. But other than that, to be honest, it was actually very, very similar. Uh, the car even itself drives quite similar as well. Obviously, the top speed is quite a lot more and you can brake a little bit later, get on the throttle a little sooner, um, carry some more corner speed. But uh, but overall, yeah, no, it's actually um, it's actually quite quite close compared to the race setup, which um might be a little bit surprising, I suppose, uh, because usually for the race, you're always trying to, to maximize um, long run speed as best as you can, which is what we did. But um, but yeah, no, it was quite close.
4: Just to give me George for a second, because you qualify the car on pole. Normally, we say in endurance racing, pole doesn't really matter. But I think perhaps in racing and at Spa, that's not so true,
6: is it? Um, yeah, I guess it depends. Uh, it depends on the race for sure. Um, like if it was the an Ring 24, for example, pole, at least in my opinion would be, uh, crucial, uh, especially if you feel like you've got the speed, if you can break that draft. Spa on the other hand, I think it didn't necessarily matter too much. Um, basically the only real advantage that it gave us was that we were able to stay out of the mess, um, at the beginning of the race. I think there was a bit of a larger crash back in the pack, um, on the opening lap. So if we'd qualified back there, obviously, no matter how good the race speed was, it was going to be over, before uh, it even started, really. So uh, making sure you stay out of the trouble, I think, is the, the main thing uh, why qualifying up the front in these endurance races is important.
4: Uh, Jeremy, by the end of the first stint, uh, Ben and myself had already noticed you pulled that advantage. You were running two laps longer than the, a lot of the BMWs and a lap longer than the other McLarens. Were you surprised you had that advantage so quickly?
7: We knew we had a good pace um, and we had the strategy, but, yeah, to be fair, I was maybe expecting the other teams uh, behind to save fuel a little bit uh, but at the same time i think josh pace was also quite fast so it was kind of tricky for the team behind because they either had to save fuel or to basically stick to to the group or the leading group um so i guess they made a decision to just go flat out and try to stay as well as possible but it cost them um fuel in the end and uh, i think in the opening stints of, of the race josh was really able to save fuel and go fast at the same time which uh, Obviously, it was super helpful because uh, we had to stick to our strategy. But if we could get that extra gap to the others behind, then that was uh, that was already good uh, right from the start.
4: And Yanni, obviously for the first half of the race, you were as a team saving fuel. How hard was that? Where where were you? What, was it were you looking to save fuel on every single corner, every single straight, or was it simply a lift and coast at the end of the Camel Straight and a bit of lifting close into Blanchimont?
8: Yeah about about that there was a few few places on the long straight you could uh, just lift and coast early and uh, on the slower corners i didn't really have to uh, save that much fuel because it would have impacted too much our uh, lap times
4: so only only basics were the long 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 straights a Mac. The race started really well. The First few hours, you were you were not only saving fuel, but you were getting ahead. But then, sort of as 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 darkness fell, a couple of things happened. You the team had a couple of error, had a couple of mistakes. But more importantly, it seemed that like the Z4 started to find pace overnight. Were you worried at that point?
9: Um, yeah, it's always a little bit of a concern when you when you go into the night and you see that other cars are starting to pick up pace and you're not really. It was kind of to be expected, because uh, the BMW kind of, uh, the traction, it's kind of traction limited, but in the night, uh, that kind of equalizes, so we kind of expected it like that already, Uh, but in the end, I think we, as a collective group, had the pace anyway um, to kind of uh, match their times in the night, and then we we knew when daylight came, that we would have uh, a decent advantage again, because that's how we started the race. Josh, now
4: interestingly, you got as far as you managed to save one pit stop, and that was, I think... About 14 hours in, you'd save the whole pit stop and and you used that to, as we said on the comment, the the stagger unwound. But at that point, you stopped bothering with fuel saving, didn't you? You just went to standard stints. Why did you decide at that point just to go hell for leather and not worry about fuel saving anymore? Because the MSI team who came second carried on saving fuel, which gave them a a couple of seconds per stint, which they caught up right towards the end with you, didn't they? Uh,
6: I mean, at that point, we were doing, or basically, at least in the McLaren, Um, we'd figured out that on a full push stint, you could do 26 laps uh, without any fuel saving. Um, And obviously the saving pushed it to 27. Um, MSI, most of the race were only doing 26. I think the only stints that they did 27 was in the first one and then maybe a couple towards the end. So we had that that pit stop advantage over them as well, which I think, I mean, at that point, you know, roughly 14, 15 hours into the race, we'd already saved as much as we needed to. And and at that point it was more so the focus of um, pushing to try and gain lost time. Um, because we knew that even though uh, like uh, technically we were probably a little bit behind them at that point, um, we knew we had a pit stop advantage over them, but still their last pit stop was a very, very short splash and dash. So um, it was important to try and close the gap as, as much as we could. Um, and I think we kind of uh, chose our timing well, at least in the night, in that latter part of the night when the track was really, really fast. Um, and obviously in the night as well, we're burning more fuel, so it's a little bit harder to save that, that fuel. Um, so we were trying to use the, the time then to our advantage to push um, and then save the fuel a little bit later on in the race when the track temp started to come back up again, the tyre wear increased. um, So basically from... Kind of picking and choosing when we were going to do that saving, it allowed us just to maximise things a little bit easier, um, especially in terms of the tyre uh, conservation. Because obviously, when you're saving fuel, it's much easier to uh, to take care of that tyre. Um, and when you're doing double stints on the uh, on the tyres consistently, it makes a big difference.
4: Yeah, talk about tyres, Jeremy, I mean, how how difficult was it to to keep performance through a double stint? Just just for your personal record, I in between the brakes in the, in my commentary, I was actually racing one of the lowest splits, and um, I completely shot my tyres by about five laps to go on the second stint. Obviously, you're very good with a better setup, but were you still struggling with tyres towards the end of the second stint?
7: It was a bit difficult. I mean, you had to look after those tyres, especially at daytime. So, we couldn't just go flat out and slide pretty much uh, every corner. Uh, We we still had to to drive reasonably. It wasn't, like, extremely hard, um, because I think the McLaren was still quite good on tyres, and the setup that we had was rather good with that. Uh, But we, we still had to keep that in mind um, during our stints and uh, and really avoid sliding excessively, um, and especially in the first stint, because then it would impact uh, the second stint. Um, and then when you start sliding, the tire overheat, and it gets really difficult to uh, really keep the car um, on track or at least to, to keep a good rhythm. So um, yeah, it, it wasn't extremely hard, but we still had that in mind, um, and we still had to make sure that we kept things clean, um, so that we could have a, a rather smooth second stint every time. So,
4: yoni I mean, the, what, if this was a classic, tactical, strategic 24-hour race. It was a, for us guys who, who do full metal racing, it, 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 the ebb and flow, you could see from the first hour how it was being set. When did you know you'd won? How many hours to go do you think, yep, we've got it, it's worked for us, the staggers one, we've won?
8: Well, uh, my la- I think my last stint that I drove, it was at that point that when, uh, when our strategy team made calculations that uh, we get the fastest uh, fastest uh, guys to drive more to, to the daytime, that uh, we could uh, take the victory.
4: Finally, Mac, this is a fantastic victory for Coanda. So what happens next? Are you sticking together as a four for the last of the classic races, Petit Le Bon on the 3rd or 4th of October? Is that when you're going to uh, stick together or we have a, perhaps, a slightly smaller team for the race, which is only, what, 10 and a half hours?
9: Uh, That's a little hard to say. I think we usually take everything on a race to race basis and see who's available and who has motivation to race. And within that, we decide who are the best matches together. So I think especially for a 12 hour race, we will definitely not have four people on one car. And besides that, I think we might see some different matches just based on who uh, suits who in the team. Brilliant.
4: Congratulations, guys. It was fantastic to watch. A proper, a proper, 24-hour, strategic 24-hour endurance race. Congratulations. A brilliant, brilliant executed strategy. Great choice of car. Wish we'd thought of it. Uh, well done, guys. Thanks very much. Thanks for having us. Thank
9: you. Pleasure. And thank if you, thank you. like
2: you. your... If you like your... Uh, Sim racing and virtual racing. Then tune in to the Tour Radio Show tomorrow night at eight o'clock here on RS One, where it will be Ben and Lewis, and they will be talking. They will be doing a deep dive, indeed, into the oh. GT4 content from Assetto Corsa Competizione, which uh, they mentioned uh, uh, two weeks ago. weeks ago. They've now had a chance yeah. to look at it in a lot of detail, and they'll be also looking at the new tracks announced for iRacing. And more news on Dirt Five. That's a tour radio show tomorrow night at eight o'clock here on RS One.
1: Interesting. The Midweek Sports Series Fifteen, Episode Number Twenty-Eight. Good interview uh, on the VCO uh, Victory Lane tonight. Thanks to Nick and the guys for doing that. We've got some Imson news coming up in the second hour, but we've got some Imson news. Uh, it, it, it's it's rather close to home this one. Thanks to the very hard work of the responsible adult. Uh, and also uh, by Steve Patty, then pushed along by Travis Laveau uh, and uh, Alan Serwick. We are delighted to welcome to the IMSA Radio family this weekend for our uh, Sebring coverage on Friday and Saturday, VP Fuels uh, for fuels, additives and lubricants. There will be uh, our headline sponsor of our pit reports and in-race reports and we'll... Have some bits and pieces in midweek motorsport as well in the next few months as well as national racing here in the UK gets back to a more normal situation. Uh, it's, uh, it's been a little longer in the making than we had hoped, but that was mostly down to coronavirus. So thanks to all who've been involved, particularly those people that I have mentioned, and Shea Adam will be wearing a new shirt at the weekend and possibly a hat Uh, as well so that's VP Racing Fuels uh, and uh, thanks to them for coming on board for our pit reports and in race report partners for IMSA Radio and RS2 kicking off with our coverage from Sebring this weekend uh, where we have not one not two but three races Uh, before the national
2: racing coming back in the UK
1: yes absolutely uh, before the half-time break, let's rattle through a few stories we didn't have time for last week because I got distracted by shiny things. Nah. British Touring Car Championship, we'd uh, mentioned uh, a few weeks ago uh, about one or two people having problems uh, and Andrew Jordan not taking part. Uh, last week we heard about two cars, Tim, wasn't it not? Uh, Matt well, Jackson one, and Tina. Yes, one two-car team. Uh, Matt Jackson and Jason Plato uh, not being a part of the uh, BTCC season for this year, although both of those drivers have said they are gearing up for 2021. And similar stories from both which sort of trailed this. Matt certainly, Matt Jackson, even going back to the days when I was involved, in British Touring Cars, which seems an awfully long time ago now, when Matt was just starting his BTCC career. He always was very clever about how he used hospitality in the Matt Jackson fan club. And, of course, behind closed doors racing doesn't help him uh, with that. Uh, and Jason Plato, similar sort of thing, issues with COVID, uh, looking to be back next year. So it will be a slightly reduced field So for the uh, British touring car season which will be a very compressed season as well and sam bird nick moving from his current team after the whole season in berlin yes but he'll always have berlin yeah, yeah. with virgin
4: sure it'll take his breath away
1: oh very good i see what you did there <laughs> you. and he's heading not to Persia then uh but to it was Persia for berlin took my breath away wasn't it it yes, was, it was. Yeah. Yeah, the cane fields in America, which is Augusta, they didn't sell cars there. Um, but anyway, uh, he's off to Jaguar. Jaguar, yes. Now, this is as interesting in Formula E as uh, Fernando Alonso is going to uh, Renault for the same reason, because there's been all kinds of supposition uh, that Jaguar might be leaving the championship. But signing Sam Bird at least brings them in for... This is for next season, so not the races at Berlin.
4: Yeah, they, 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 of course, that's because Jaguar dropped the X-Pace... What was the The I-Pace, sorry. The I-Pace Championship they dropped, didn't they? f Troop, whatever. whatever. Their electric car gone. And and with people are going, oh, does that mean they're going to go out? But nope, they're carrying on. And they signed Sam Bird, the, I think one of only... Three re-ever presence uh, in um, he's Formula he's very e. good
1: at it he gets it
4: and he, yeah he's, he's always done very well he's always been there thereabouts it's a, it's a unique set of skills you need there especially with the use of the harvesting um, at the end. so he's you know and, and we all know it's one of the few places you can get paid very handsomely in professional motorsports so it's, uh, it's good for his pension fund as well uh, so those
1: were the two stories uh, that we wanted to cover uh, last week let's move into the second hour of Midweek Motorsports
0: <laughs> Midweek Motorsport. Halftime. And while we swap ends, here's what's coming up.
1: Uh, more of your tweets, please. At uh, Speckutainment, if you would uh, like to get in touch with us. Uh, second half of tonight's programme, it's going to be packed. We might need a shoehorn and some liquid soap. Uh, we'll be talking IMSA and IndyCar uh, with Shea Adam and... We will also have some MotoGP stars as we look forward to the resumption of two-wheeled World Championship Motorsport uh, at the weekend as well. And Nick Damon uh, with Declan Brennan hopefully joining us as well as we talk about a brand new motor racing series. But now, as promised by Tim Gray in the first hour, we go team by team through the Formula One Panic from the weekend. Midweek
0: Motorsport on
1: So
2: it's Nick So I'm Danes. intrigued to know how this works. Team by team. Better than last week uh, with any luck.
1: Okay. Uh, well, you, well you, you, it, 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 you didn't spring it on us this week as you did last week. Right, crack on. What do you want to do? Let's
2: uh, wrap So we're going to start with Williams. Uh, uh, and great qualifying from George Russell.
4: Yes, 12th place, Um, got themselves out of Q1 for the first time since Brazil 2018, his highest qualifying ever, Uh, Latifi was down in about 17th 18th, much expected, race went not so well, Um, George was scruffling about in the middle of the field um, as he should be and unfortunately (laughs) went for a a move after the safety car where he tried to get past uh, Kevin Magnussen and didn't at turn 6, went into gravel, scuttled along and ended up dead last, managed to overtake uh, Latifi about two thirds of the way through the race it was during the pit but stop I'm, he did it slightly yeah but I mean, he was uh, what I'm saying is that he got past him because he'd been he'd been holding station behind at one point point. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah so it was um, the, the, the slight worrying for Williams is their race pace isn't great still though their qualifying pace is great so what they I really I if is he kept Monaco, it on the
2: tarmac uh, his pace would have been a lot better
4: it still would have been he still would have finished in the same place
2: and the teepee finished well done uh Newly Awful Haas?
4: Yeah, well, (laughs) let's not... I like that. No, the thing about Newly Awful Haas is that they actually managed to get the cars pointing the right direction most of the event, not through qualifying where Grosjean had some issues, but they didn't actually have brake failure. And I get the feeling they had an incredibly low bar set that they just about cleared, as in trundle around to the end successfully. And they did.
2: Groshan's qualifying issues caused him to start the race from the pit lane, but I don't think anyone noticed that at the time. No, However, exactly. it wasn't
4: it, it was actually because he'd broken park firmo rules. Ah. Um and he was apparently he was, he was on the edge of getting disqualified and they decided not to do it, realising he wasn't going to trouble the point scorers. Um and they let him run around at the back. He um he passed six
2: cars on lap one.
4: Well, that's because there was a lot of confusion at the top when um, yeah. the two Ferraris came together. The two Chimier cars that didn't of...
2: complete lap one, of course.
4: Yes, and then Kimi had an issue with the anti-stall ins That's three for three. Yeah, uh, and, and then there was Latifi, spin- and he didn't They'll keep bo-
2: those places.
4: No, no. I mean, I, I, in fairness. Going back to reference your previous story, if Perez is turning up, then I'm afraid Roman's gonna to have to concentrate an awful lot more on uh, his his sport going back to his sports car career and his um his sim racing team.
2: You think they would keep Kevin and not Oh absolutely hundred
4: percent. Hundred per cent.
2: Absolutely. Uh Alfred Mayo, lo- less terrible than last week, weren't they? Still terrible. Uh car still very terrible. Strategically they did probably as Which well as they what? could do.
1: We don't know whether the car's terrible because the engine's so bad.
4: Yes, they haven't any power, so they've, they've got no idea either. Um, know, the about yeah. Haas, and um, the reason that Haas and uh, uh, Alpha, Alpha have yeah. fallen into the clutches of Williams is because Williams have got a very good engine, and they haven't. Mm. Um, yeah, so it was, I mean, I think Raikkonen again proved himself to be better than uh, Giovinazzi, but that is not really very impressive. a bit like Muhammad Ali proving himself better than uh, me. I think, really.
2: Uh, Racing point. Two cars in the points?
4: Yes, and hopefully they'll keep those points. Uh, Perez started a long way back in 17th. Um, Lance Stroll managed to get through Q1 of qualifying because he's very good in the wet, but the car itself wasn't uh, compliant enough to work in those conditions. Perez came through the field and uh, he had a contact with Albon, which was almost exactly the same as the contact that... um, uh, Lewis had the previous week, showing Albon hadn't learned first, and secondly because it ended up in his wing being broken, no action was taken. So it's a bit odd that really. As i to say said, my, my annoyance with the, with the stewards is they actually steward on the, on the outcome rather than the incident, which I think is completely wrong. And there were two examples of that in this race. But um, good performance by, by Perez, also just chuntering around for a lap and half with a broken wing rather than, than coming in, um, and Lance was okay.
2: Uh, Alpha Tauri,
4: um, quite good actually. But they they, they just kind of yeah got a point. Korea got a point, and Gassi was going really, really well. But he got damaged in the incident with the two Ferraris, which caused him to have excess tire wear, so much so he had a two stop. So, um, yeah, he was unlucky actually. He had a bit of pace there in Gassie, but they got a consolation point through Danny Kvyat. And the good news for them is they are better than at least three teams every single week. so They haven't got to rely on too much breaking down to get some points
2: uh renault still suffering from overheating
4: yes they had their radiator failed on ocon's car apparently exactly the same problem as they had on ricardo's car in race one in austria um which they thought they'd fixed um so they've got a big thing to do before they get to uh hunger the hunger obviously isn't doesn't have the same vibration issues because you aren't running the curbs as you are at uh austria um ricardo um did all right um there was a kind of a kerfuffle when he was running behind Ocon on different strategy. ocon being you know, not letting him through, which is more the team's fault, knock on's fault. Ocon obviously wasn't the greatest teammate to Perez, he wasn't particularly good at playing the team game, which is obviously something I'm sure Mercedes would be looking at because they need to play the team game on, that, on in there. But he should have been uh, told to let uh, Ricardo through a lot earlier. I wonder whether Ricci- if Ricardo was still sign for the team, that would have happened. Um, but yeah, and by then he yeah he'd lost some of the impetus and he also got um, quite aggressively moved off the track by Stroll which again if you think if he actually spun uh, Stroll would have got a five second penalty for but but didn't because he just carried on just lost one place and these new rules you can do anything you like as long as a person only loses one place but if you lightly breathe on and they spin off well that's it
2: Uh, McLaren uh, Carl Sainz had a terrible pit stop
4: yeah and in the midfield being so condensed a terrible pit stop is a terrible disaster you know you lose 6 7 seconds of pit stop and that you know is three places and that's what happened carlos trying to make it up burnt the tires off after a very good qualifying of third so he had a great saturday and a poor sunday which which ended up in getting ninth uh, lando had a very poor friday where he picked up a penalty for um a yellow flag infringement three places back i think he actually qualified sixth and started ninth mm-hmm. um as always, it seems that on full tanks, McLarens aren't brilliant. They're kind of a bit of anonymous. as, as the weight came off, they got quicker, and helped by uh, a combination of various of, of one um, racing point hitting a Renault and then the other racing point hitting a, a Red Bull. Uh, they picked up about three places in the last couple of laps. And uh, once again, Norris was here. But I mean, in fairness, Lando is absolutely looking like the real thing. It's uh, it's it's impressive how he's moved on this second year. And really you can say about McLaren sitting around going? I don't think we. I think we've we've got rid really of the right one. I think you know we're going to get there's more in Norris than there is in Signs.
2: A great quote from Andreas Seidel saying, uh, "Racing Point has a quicker car. We have a faster team."
4: They do have two really, really good drivers. Really good drivers. Not saying, but by my, my saying, Norris is better than Signs is like saying one's brilliant and one's really brilliant. It's not a, a negative about Signs. He's still very, very good. I still think he's underrated. Signs. Yeah, but I think Norris is really impressive.
1: We'll see when he has proper pressure.
2: Uh, Red Bull didn't have a great weekend. Would you (laughs) say that Verstappen was so scared of the undercut that he pitted too early?
4: Well, he didn't pit the team pit. Um, the, The problem that Red Bull have is the same problem they've had for um well a year and a half now is that they haven't got a number two driver who can help in a battle a strategic battle with Mercedes because the fact is that the the reason they were vulnerable to undercuts and overcuts is because it's two v one the Mercedes are out out in front and and Verstappen is able to stay with them um you know I think realistically actually Lewis was as far ahead as Lewis wanted to be and could have been further but if you haven't got Album backing him up, or you hadn't got Gasly before, suddenly the, oh yeah, Ricardo, he's you know, one tenth of a second slower than Verstappen, suddenly it seems, oh, actually, that's what we need. I- they isn't need that because they're on
2: different strategies?
4: No, it's because he wasn't fast enough. They were on the same strategy. It just wasn't, Alban was just awful Alban, in the first Alban half of the race. He
2: was on a one stop strategy and Verstappen did a two.
4: No, his second stop was to, right at the end, to try and get a fastest lap. Right. Did that with two laps get to get fight. He didn't get it because, he, because of the slight damage he picked up, and it went to science. Did the same thing. Science got fast lap, stopping four laps from the end. So, yeah, they they, they got out. They got basically they out thought by not employing the right person for the second driver, or perhaps still Albon being on his upswing and needing to get there. Um, there are elements of the failed Red Bull Junior driver project that's coming back to haunt them at the moment. Um, and this is nothing against Alex Albon. Alex Albon is in his 16th, 17th, sorry, it's in his 22nd race, and of which, only 10 of which have been in the top team. He needs time. Red Bull haven't really got time if they want to do anything this year, but I think, realistically, even leaving the Styria Mountains, they realise they ain't going to win this year. It's not going to happen. And they now need to work out what they can do in the condensed period they have to put themselves in a position to have a chance of winning next year. Because they're not horribly far off, but they're far off enough this year. It's not going to happen.
2: Uh, Ferrari had a terrible time uh, at the Austrian Grand Prix, so uh, would have been glad to put all of that behind them and head for the <laughs> uh, different uh, circumstances of Styria for uh, yeah. this weekend's Grand Prix. How Absolutely. did that treat them?
4: Brilliantly. They, they qualified 10th and 11th again to swap round. Um, uh, Vettel slightly ahead of Leclerc. Um, and then Leclerc hit him. Uh, going into turn three in, um, yeah, just a, just a mistake which he held his hands up for, which is in a way is quite laudable when that's one of the problems Fettle won't hold his hands up when he's done something wrong. However, it doesn't really affect anything because both cars are out, didn't get a chance to test the new parts, and they are horribly slow because they were cheating last year and haven't got enough power. See, consume
2: me. How, um, how effective are those new parts then, Nick? No one knows. Correct. Finally, Mercedes, one, two, they fixed their vibration problem
4: yeah well basically what's happened is that they, they 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 redesigned most of the wiring loom in 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 you know three days which is what mercedes can do sorted out the electrical noise sorted out the vibrations reduced the problems uh, lewis um
1: and lewis did see it. i'm not sure what we can do about the car for next week but if anybody can do it my team can and his team did exactly
2: and, and he uh, also how did they do, do that
4: well he re- well
1: they just
4: they they have a lot of people working um how back did at they do the it office under the the um The regs. Because you build a loom, you fly it out, and someone fits it. They've got electrical engineers out there, part of the team. Um, But they. um, Yeah, I mean, Lewis obviously put in an absolutely unbelievably good qualifying lap, uh, 1.2 seconds faster than anybody. Uh, Valtteri moaned about glazing his brake and this sort of thing. Well, yeah, but Valtteri, what you have to remember is you're not as good as Lewis. Doesn't mean you can't win the World Championship, you've got a bit of luck, but you're not as good. Just like Nico Rosberg wasn't as good as Lewis, but won it because he had a better reliability. That's your chance you're not as good and Lewis then just, just, just you know dominated the race by running as fast as he wanted to do Verstappen was saying we weren't quite, we weren't quick enough and let's be honest about this Lewis wasn't even trying um, yeah I mean it's quite ominous uh, at this event but you know going to this next week at, at uh, Hungaroring, Ring it's um, a race which obviously Red Bull will be happier with with more slow stuff but let's not forget that Austria is one of Lewis's weakest circuits and the circuit they're going to is where somebody's won seven times before
2: uh, and of course Lewis Hamilton uh, spent the week between the two races uh, at the track working with the team, and Valtteri Bottas did what?
4: He went home like a naughty boy, too, but mm. apparently he stayed in a bubble when he was at home, as did Charles Leclerc. They went to Monaco for a bubble. I read, really, I must admit, I think that was silly, and I don't know why they did it. I'm not saying it was dangerous, but the whole point about this is the, is the, you know, the impression you give, and he gives a very bad impression. And it's the optics apparently yeah, we have to say in there. Oh that's very good. I must remember that's a good phrase. But yeah, you know, and it's not like it's a horrible place to be. It's lovely up there. You know, and these guys are fitness freaks, so they can go and climb and hike and cycle and everything else and it's it's really nice in, in that part of Austria. The air's gorgeous. It's the first thing you notice in the Red Bullroom. Have you been there, John? Were you oh. You just, he just,
1: I've driven past it you, just, you, you mm-hmm. walk Never out the there truck.
4: and the air it's, just, it's Alpine air it's marvellous I love going there it's just such a nice place well, I'm not sure obviously with events we go luckily have a similar amount of crowd as the Grand Prix have had and it's really pleasant <laughs> I mean it is a bit when the, when the Grand Prix went for the Grand Prix it was one, one lane in one lane out it was a little bit hectic a bit mildly but uh, yeah it's great
2: Uh, Well, next we're going to move on to uh, MotoGP, which returns this season. We're going to be joined uh, by Declan Brennan. Uh, Nick will remain with us. Uh, But first, let's hear from some of the riders. I nearly call them drivers. Uh, Starting with Andrea De Vizioso, who gave us his thoughts on the upcoming season.
10: Well, when you are in a factory team, the goal is to win the title. This is uh, clear and normal um but you know for everybody it has been really hard uh, in the last few years to beat uh, mark uh, last year did a really a special season it was almost unbeatable last year but you know every year we have a different story so we, we hope uh, that will change the most exciting uh, things of this season is uh, to try to be One position better than last year. We know how tough it is, how difficult it is. And the competitor will be a bit stronger in this season, I think, but we are there and we are there to fight. And uh, we are working really hard and it's difficult, it's tough, but uh, we did three times second. So this means the base is good. The biggest change from last year, uh, I think is the tire. Uh, The bike uh, has some different things, but uh, the tire, uh, I think it will be the biggest change for everybody. And just the race can show uh, if it's better for us or the competitors. The bike is a bit better, but uh, we didn't change something big. So we are trying to be a bit better in our bad point. uh, But it's difficult when you have a good base. Yes, still in the middle of the corners, we are uh, slow compared to the competitors, but it's not easy in this level to make something better. To continue the victory from Ducati in Austria, it will be important for us. Uh, But, you know, to win the title is to be consistent,
11: always there. I'm Alex Marquez, one of the rookies of 2020 MotoGP season and really exciting to, to start. And uh, yeah, it uh, will be my first season, so uh, looking forward to, to start the season. I'm racing for the Repsol on the team. When you start in the, in the World Championship, your goal and your dream is to arrive to MotoGP. I had the opportunity to, to arrive also in, one of, in the, one of the teams that have more history in this, in this paddock. So, you know, uh, it's really... For me, all the season, all the packing global is, is really new and you we know, uh, really with many illusions to start. The team already from Moto2 to MotoGP changed a lot, more many people uh, inside the team, uh, many more information that you need to give, uh, many more things that you need to try and especially in a factory team, so you know, uh, the change is big and especially the bike, the bike is a prototype bike already, and uh, you know, it's really powerful. So many changes that I need to adapt uh, as fast as I can. One goal is to be the rookie of the year. Uh, then to put a position, uh, for sure uh, the season will be, you know, you start, the rookie always is to increase the performance and to be faster every, every race and every track. So I will try from the beginning to, to be fast and to put a goal about position or about where I can I can achieve. I have experience from Moto 3 to Moto 2. Sometimes uh, the tracks that you are fast in Moto 2, uh, you are not fast in Moto 3, you know? And this change already to Moto GP depends of the bike, depends of the of the weekend, depends on the year, because some years it's a little bit easier and some years you struggle a little bit more in a tracks that you have the idea uh, that will be okay. But I learned from the past that you need to be fast in all the tracks and not have any idea before to go there. So many tracks that I struggled in many, many years, uh, I arrived last year and I won. So, you know, everything is open and every year it uh, changes a lot, the conditions and, and everything.
12: My name is Brad Binder, and this is my first season racing for Red Bull KTM in the MotoGP class. You know, it's been a long road trying to get to where I am today, and I think when I line up on the grid for the first Grand Prix, it, I think then it'll really all set in. I feel like I'm getting closer to where I want to be, but still, it's really, really tough. Um, you know, it's such a different, it's almost a different world to what I'm used to. Uh, to be quite honest, it's the everything's just that next level, as you would expect. You know, the the grip, the power, the brakes. You know, everything is just uh, incredible, and it takes uh, quite a bit of getting used to, but uh, step by step, things are starting to fall into place. Uh, so far, I haven't really set myself a goal for the season. Um, I always find that it's best just to, do, just to stay focused on, on um, trying to work your way towards the front. And whether that means starting in 20th or starting in 5th place and working your way forward, uh, my goal is to get there. And I hope sooner than later, but uh, let's see. You know, it's going to be a long, hard road for sure. So far, as the days are ticking by, you know, it's um, starting to build a lot of excitement and, of course, a little bit nerves at the same time. Just to think that I'm going to be lining up against people that I've looked up to my whole life, you know, um, my hero in for or sporting hero or um, favourite MotoGP rider has always been Valentino Rossi, and now I get the opportunity to race against him. So. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's crazy to think from where we started back in South Africa, we're gonna get the opportunity to, to um, race in a proper MotoGP race in a, in a few days time. So uh, it's really exciting. And um, yeah, I think it's, it's a, a feeling that we've got one step closer to where I wanna be. For sure, it's a dream come true to be in MotoGP. But at the end of the day, it's like I said earlier, um, there, that's not not my, my end goal is, to be a world champion or at least to be fighting with the guys up front, you know. So I've got a long way to go. But, um, you know, this is the start and I'm going to work as hard as I can and I'm sure I'll get there one day.
13: Jack Miller uh, from Australia, riding in MotoGP since 2015. This year riding for the uh, Primack Ducati Racing Team. Uh, it's my third season with them, so pretty excited to, to get underway. You know, big expectations for this season. Uh, we had, uh, what was it, six podiums last year. And uh, I'd like to improve that to, uh, to more this year and hopefully, you know, get a little closer to the top. I mean, we've always got goals. I mean, the main goal, of course, is to try and achieve a, a victory. Uh, I've been able to do that once before in my career. Um, and, you know, we're still chasing that feeling again, especially with the Ducati. But uh, I think this year, you know, we have a good opportunity to, uh, we have to, to start the season off strong and be consistent, and I think we can uh, achieve our victory at the end of the season. But for sure, the main goal is to try and be inside that top five at the, at the end of the season. Of course, the bike still feels like it's from the same family. It's a Ducati, um, you know. So the characteristics of the bike are, are very similar, but I feel like in some of the weaker areas, we've, uh, we've improved on that. I try to be more controlled now, still aggressive. I, I definitely have this aggressivity or aggressive side of me, I guess you could say. But uh, yeah, I think it's a controlled aggression now. And that I get older, you know, start to get a little bit smarter, a little wiser, and understand when I need to be aggressive and when I need to be calm.
1: Uh, one for the Nictionary there aggressivity from <laughs> the Jacks. That's uh, right, <laughs> Uh, and some interesting comments there. Let's uh, get uh, Declan Brennan on the line live from the East Coast. Hi, Dex. How are you? I'm great. I was really interested in listening to Jack Miller because uh,
14: if you notice towards the end, he was wearing out his consonants. He wears out everything. He can't make anything
1: last. (laughs) Couldn't make that last. And I I, I only edited that slightly, uh, to be honest. Right Turn Lover, listening to that with Alex Marquez, says, was there ever a rider before Alex Marquez that was dropped, presumably for performance reasons, by his team, before ever having raced for them? And what will his older brother do now? It's a fair question. It's brilliant, isn't it? It's like, "Ah, Alex, yes, we're definitely hiring you because of
14: your talent, not because of the convenience. (laughs) Uh, Oh, no, no, sorry, sorry. News just in. Hang on. No, we definitely hired you for the convenience and not the talent. (laughs) Don't forget, we were in a situation where he almost didn't have the opportunity to go anywhere else because nobody wanted, no other manufacturer was willing to trust him because of what would be discussed over the dinner table almost. You know, so uh, it was a safe bet. I, the he'll end up on it at LCR, one would think, if yeah. that hasn't already happened. I might be wrong, but is that that what's that's, what's that's next ha- for that's him? That's announced. Yeah, yeah that's he's going announced. to L. Yeah, he's going to go to LCR, which is interesting because Carl, Carl Crutchlow earlier in the week, while kind of had the did a social media video which was rather peculiar. It was a, I've had a great time at LCR. They gave me all my victories. Blah blah blah. Looking forward to whatever happens next. And talk, as a throw-in at the end, he said, "Oh, and by the way, Nakagami's not signed, and I'm still talking to to them, man. Uh, <laughs> I might be still on the bike, so he yeah. might not even be going from from LTO." He's going to Aprilia. We don't
4: know no, that. Yeah, but... he is. He is. That's that. He's apparently he actually was happy to leave,
1: um, which, which I've translated as large paycheck. <laughs> well, C- can I just ask a question about Marquez? You said often before. Uh, Nick about riders and drivers coming into teams Effectively, this is a free year though for Marquez and he's in his rookie year He's got a bike that all right is built for his brother But at least he knows how his brother should ride gives him an excellent opportunity to learn the machine before he has to Deliver next year. He said he wants to be top rookie this year, but I think that's laudable Um But it's a free year for him, is it it not?
4: Yeah, I mean, it's it's a weird situation in any way because of coronavirus, but it's a weird situation whereas you've been dropped before you've even started. Um, Everyone assumes that that what you did in your 10 days of testing meant you weren't obviously up to what was expected from HRC, but HRC can't fire you entirely because that would upset their superstars. They're just going to move you down to the reserve team and hope for the best. And, and, you know, the point about it is people can come good, so it might work.
1: Uh, Sorry, I... Uh, uh, is now I know it. it's Alex Ma Marraquez yes. I will say John that that bike uh, is
14: built for only one man as we yeah, all exactly. know as, as 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 even the LCR riders will tell you over the last couple of years that as much as they've complained uh, and if he can't get his head around the bike then uh, he wouldn't be the first person but he will get effectively two years at it because LCR will effectively what they'll do is they'll take that bike <laughs> Uh, which will be the tw- in 21, and he'll so he'll be riding the, the same bike for two years, uh, in all uh, likelihood, and he won't get anywhere near Mark because, and I I just don't know of any other example of this really off the top of my head in two or four wheels, where a team has pushed so far in one direction for one rider. I don't know if McLaren did it with Senna. I, I might. I, I genuinely don't remember. Uh, but to have pushed so far to the point where, and I, I may have said this before, it's my favourite anecdote of the last couple of years, is when the in 2018, the uh, the 2017 Hondas were uh, with the last year of the VDS team, and uh, Tom Ludi was really struggling on that bike, and they gave him Mark Mar- Marquez's traces. Uh, to overlay on his and he just stared at them apparently and said this is not in any way helping, helping. me <laughs> I know I yeah. know
1: why are you doing this it's just so making it it's... worse it's yes, I, 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 exactly. I listen I've had, I've had people do that when I've been trying to jump into race cars it's just because I've got no talent when they when they send me onboard footage and the traces and say this is what you should be doing and I go guys not helping that really I'm not an alien um, what about Dovey? Uh. Dovey's Uh, You you can't knock him, Dex, for his... uh, You can't knock him for his positivity. um, Or what? Positivity? No, positivity was right. I'm not making a word up. You can't knock him for his positivity. Uh, Second, second, uh, second. And this year, hmm, probably second? Yeah,
14: I think he'll be second again. I think... If Quateraro doesn't finish second, well, he will. Raro's
1: extraordinary. You know, I've always thought from the moments t- I saw him on a bike, and Nick couldn't pronounce his name. It's still, it's not changed that Nick can't pronounce his name, and it's not changed that <laughs> I think he is an exceptional talent. I- I'm not sure that this year Quateraro's got a- enough to challenge Dovey for second, but ultimately, that's what they're fighting for, isn't it, Dex? Yeah,
14: and John, and that brings me to the point that I, I think uh, really the the shape of MotoGP over the last, not quite over the full domination of of uh, of Martin Marquez, but over the last two to three years, when we've seen a couple of new people enter and people like the speculation begin and and basically the end of people like Lorenzo and 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 Rossi at the top line. Have you ever uh, seen any sport that is basically the 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 benchmark is so high and and uh, and and is so significant that it just skews the way we view everything yeah. else about the sport. And it, that's the way it seems. It's like it feels like if you're Dobby, and, and again, if you watch the Undaunted documentary, which is amazing, where the caddy know they don't have a bike and and uh, uh, that's good enough, and arguably a rider that's good enough. Uh, head-to-head head every week but they heap pressure on dovey heap it on him because he's an in injured and it seems it's extraordinary it, it's it, it it seems to be the paddock is behaving and generally works in a way that is almost perverse now because of the dominance and the position that honda and uh and mark marquez has put them in do you, do you know what i mean does that make sense what i'm what it's like yeah. the, yeah, I mean, I think yeah. You know, the
4: issue is he is so far ahead um, with a with the factory that has over the past what 30 years been the best factory, um, with everything built around him in a, in a in a one bike show which no one else can ride, and therefore he because he can ride the way he can extract things that not possible to get from other stuff. Um, yeah, you end up with a situation where you know he is just before we start the season, if he doesn't hurt himself,
14: we know he's going to win. And that's the 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 irony, is Nick. Because of COVID, he's fully fit. Yes. It, there's no, we don't have the doubt. There's no point. doubt now.
4: Yeah, there was there was a chance his shoulder would have held him back for three
14: or four races, giving someone else else a help. But he has
4: benefited from the virus. Cause he's had three months to rest it up.
1: Uh, Nick and I were talking at dinner about uh, about Brad Binder and his opportunities. He was talking a good game. He's going to find it hard though, Dex, isn't he this year? Yes, but.
14: The KTM have such such belief in him as, as I said in the talk back. They they
1: again. They, they, we, I think his riding at, style might suit a MotoGP bike. I really do.
14: Oh, uh, uh, yes and no. Uh, I might he might suit a MotoGP bike for the first eight laps. Uh, it's uh, he's uh, he's got a he's got a lot to learn in terms of uh, of of. Honing that style a little bit to allow him to to be have, have a, a bike that will compete later on in races, and that's and I'm talking about for top ten, top six positions. Uh, but I think what the the landscape of MotoGP now means is that that uh, to some extent, KTM aren't going to get Mar- Marquez. He's going he's going to stay with Honda. They need to look at what they have and decide. Well, if this is if th- this is the future, then we have to, you know, we have to put everything we can behind. Uh, Brad Binder and not and Iker and not like spending you know our, our evening at the party looking around the room to find somebody else more important to talk. to. Well, I, <laughs> you, I, know, I, you know. Uh, I think this is
4: the problem. Is uh, one of the reasons, of course, that that Marquez is is head and shoulders above everyone else, is because there's no one else. You know, Rossi's yeah. forty-one. Uh, Lorenzo's injured himself. Um, Danny Pedrosa injured himself out, um, and that you are the best. Other riders are either very young, in Fabio, or we're never more than Division Two. Yeah, good, but Maverick not great. One
14: that Maverick Vinales is the one that, to me, is is, is the the is the absolute uh, cured egg. He just, I, am fascinated by him. Fascinated Depends by which his. Maverick
1: you get, though, Correct. doesn't it?
14: Yes. Yeah, you get the one because he car did things.
1: Qualify. He did the he did things. What two, three seasons ago on a Suzuki that nobody should have been doing. He was absolutely extraordinary. He's he's been so so um, at Yamaha, but he, sometimes he's been very good indeed. He, he, look where he finished
14: in, in testing today. Look where he finished in the second session. He he's top. You know this. Is, where, where are the this
1: weekend, Dix? Remind me. Jerez. Uh, it is Jerez, yes. Spain. Nick,
2: it's,
14: uh, it's Jerez every week for the next month. All right, it, and, then they to, and then they go to Jerez.
1: And then Aragon,
4: and then Jerez. <laughs> and, then and then Navarra. Then, <laughs> Navarra, Valencia, <laughs> Barcelona, Jerez. It's the uh, World Harama, Championship of Spain. Um, obviously, Jorama, you missed out there. <laughs>
1: um, so, so... U- ultimately, what we're seeing is, forget everybody else, it is another um, Marc Marquez uh, Championship. Yeah, he will get another championship and everybody else is picking up Scraps in terms of the championship, but gentlemen, I'll ask this to you first. Nick, is there the opportunity for somebody to steal a win here and there?
4: Yes, there's always that is always the case. There's always a situation where you know there's one one week where the Honda just isn't particularly working that well in that track, there's a tyre issue, or if it may be, or you know, there's out of position qualifying. The other thing to remember, of course, is and it's never spoken about as much in MotoGP as it is in F1, but of course, because he's with a less than stellar teammate. There is a possibility for the teams' championship to go somewhere else. So Ducati right. or Yamaha could win the constructors' championship, whatever it's called.
1: Yeah, and and Ducati um, are very keen on circuits that are point and squirt decks where it's very very fast and then hard on the brakes. Ducati have actually got a decent bike for that. They do, uh, they do. But
14: just to on your for your point, yeah, there will be, of course. If you think of Austria over the past few years, particularly the you know there are are. Uh, tracks where and Qatar where uh, you can almost hammer on Dovey for the win on a on a uh, on the Ducati and Mugello the same from the horsepower perspective uh, but what's interesting is with with them running a bit more through the summer and with tracks being very slick and, and and we'll see a slightly different dynamic I think with tires and with these new tires and I don't rule out seeing rinse in particular and that suzuki which is so balanced and so good uh, with its tires i don't uh, rule out them putting up a fight on occasion maybe on a, a little bit more even than they did in in 2019 obviously he's, he won in britain and he won when marquez fell off in the us but i think we'll see uh Rince challenge a little bit more he's uh, got a little bit more experience now because he made some unforced errors last year uh as that we talked about at the end of last season. So I'd be interested to see what happens with Suzuki, but but ultimately I think it is you're absolutely right. It's it's gonna come down to uh, people nicking results off Marquez yeah. unless something crazy happens.
1: Dexter with us because we've got another story we want Declan for. We've mentioned the tour radio show eight o'clock tomorrow. At nine, it's another helping of Antipodean Motorsport.
15: This week on the grid, impressive walking shore and ready united supercars rookie. Bryce forward is our guest in a long interview that discusses all about his rise into the main game. The Territorian, that's a guy from the Northern Territory, talks about how he committed to Super 2 early and hard, and then his long road through the development ranks before signing up with WAU, and some interesting phone calls with Michael Andretti and Zach Brown along the way. It's an impressive chat from an impressive young man. We preview all the action as supercars return under lights this weekend in Sydney, give our thoughts on Austria 1 and 2 in Formula 1, and we tell you a little bit more about a suburb in Sydney called Rooty Hill. No joke. It's on the grid, 9pm Thursday night UK time, only on RS1.
2: I said we were going to bring back a feature from uh, many years ago. And this is one we did in about 2006, I think, John?
1: Yes, and I know I I watched every episode of this. Do you remember
2: what this is, Nick?
1: Uh, It's about every
4: isn't it? Yes, it is. It's a soap opera, isn't it?
1: It was very good. It had some very good... The last thing that Treat Williams did... Treat Williams, who is one of my all-time favourite actors... And there was a lot of good actors who went on to... Uh, A number of things. Chris, uh, what's his name? um, Chris, what's his name?
2: Yeah. What's his name? I'm rubbish with names.
1: Chris, what's his name? Chris Carmack, by any chance? Okay. Um, Anyway, moving on. Brothers and sisters had a few people that went out of that as well. Sorry, Uh, sorry. sorry. (laughs) Move on. Uh, This is. Joke for the teenagers there, sorry. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> This is, and, and we've got Dex on to talk about this from a marketing standpoint. Yes. This is this the is new the series. Superstar
2: racing experience. R- really? Yes. <laughs> this is Ray Everton's <laughs> new project.
1: With Tony Stewart?
2: Yes. Who he's not going to marry.
1: No, indeed not. Um, uh, it's IROC for the 21st century, decks isn't it 12 uh, 12 well, cars
14: because no, well it's on it's on short tracks it's so it's 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 IROC for for it's the international race of champions if the champions are all oval and retired because that's the key point let's get to that first yes all the same cars uh you know a standard standardly engineered throughout uh, all consistent in their engineering and their set. Sa-
2: Have we lost Declan there? Have we lost more than Declan there?
1: Oh, hello. Oh, no
2: hello. Declan, can you still hear he... us? Yes.
1: No, no, he was still talking. He was talking perfectly well. I,
2: I lost Declan.
14: <laughs> and Tim was. T- t- it was like I was getting Tim. Tim was commentating on me underneath. Like it was. We were, It was snooker. <laughs> Fantastic <laughs> sentence there from the young Irishman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry. Uh, As he goes sorry. to the green. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Let me young, try that again. Young.
5: <laughs> We put Chris by the way.
1: Pretty young for Snoop. It was Chris Park, Yes, it was. Anyway, move on. So twelve cars, so, a mixture of yeah. all, uh, of of dirt ovals. Uh, and Tarmat Ovals, uh, not necessarily the same people every week, uh, a mixture of current, retired, future, anybody that can drag into it. And crucially, already signed up with CBS with a two, a two race format in a tight television package text.
14: Yeah. So they've built up a a series specifically for television. Now, that's fascinating to me because uh, uh,
1: Stefan Rattel's that... made, a, made a career out of it, mate.
14: Yeah, but the one thing for if you want to build something as a spectacle, the one thing that COVID has proved to me and to many of us who watch other sports is that it's not the same without fans in the grandstands. If you're building TV for TV events, yes, I fully get that. But an event really needs to be a a a, a fan experience as well. It needs to have packed grandstands. I genuinely believe that. But they're they're yeah they're building a, a two hour uh, broadcast window uh absolutely made for TV they'll own all the inventory if a sponsor comes the the championship will will uh, activate on the teams on the drivers on the cars behalfs and all this so it's it's a one-stop shop for everything it's a it's one solution uh, i'm not sure the what gap this is filling that they feel uh isn't being covered as we said they're not going to get Guys who are running the next night, they're all Saturday nights, but they're not going to get guys running the Sundays somewhere else in the country on an oval coming to compete in this. I, I genuinely don't believe, which means we're, we're back to fast masters. If anybody remembers that day uh from from the eighties, older retired guys, the rusty Wallace of the world. Or well, that the, is Mar- the
1: problem Mar- with motor racing. Yeah. It's not like um, if you're going to get the names and you're going to do this, it's not like doing arena football or the, the you know last year's big thing for betting the the new american football with everybody running a 2 minute drill all the time that was done for television motor racing if you get the big names in like as not they'll be already racing somewhere else or they're retired yes and and then if they're retired that means
14: this is effectively the champions tour in golf and if that's mm. the case then who's your audience are because you want,
1: surely you want younger dynamic brands involved, you know. Well, and that's the question so that, that I wanted to ask you, Dex. Where's the money coming from? Because, you know, that's the issue with this. Surely any series, whether it is a stick and ball series, whether it's a motor racing series, um, whether it's athletics, it doesn't matter what it is. It lives and dies by its partners, by its sponsorship. And if you can't tell your sponsors right now who your first 12 drivers are and then who your next 12 drivers are the week after that and the week after that, and "Ah, we're going to swap them around a bit. Well, that's, that's like seeing to somebody who sponsors the Premier League, well, we're going to have Liverpool versus Arsenal this week, but next week, we're not sure. It might be Rochdale versus Slough Corinthians. It's just not going to work, is it? (laughs) No, no. uh, That is is the... uh, Again, I'll go back to
14: my first question. Apologies to Slough Corinthians fans, by the the way. If they can tell me where the demand is for this, then because, you know... Other fans of this, I, I presume, will be out on Saturday nights watching The yeah. World of Outlaws, watching sprint cars. Good point. So, uh, it CBS it's telly though. I'd man. like it's to it's all think, for telly, isn't it? It is absolutely for telly. That's the thing. It's, it's I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm wary of this the way. You'd be wary of, of, of you know, the XFL and mm-hmm. and uh, and you know, all of the other gimmicky stuff that starts like uh, even the 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 three on three basketball that. Is this uh, a vehicle that. for betting Dex, potentially, uh, like XFL? Yeah it, yeah, it will be, especially the way with the growth of uh, uh, of 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 tr- traditional online gambling in the US, and, and it's growing all, uh, all the time. So I, I'm wondering, to be honest, if Tony Stewart feels that this is probably. Uh, An opportunity for growth in that respect. So uh, and that may be where some of his sponsors are coming from. Don't really see how it's the energy drinks business or I will say, uh, John, NASCAR is getting increasingly ludicrously expensive to to be involved with Fair point. Uh, This could be an opportunity to to invest at at a lower level and get a significant amount of airtime time for a partner. So.
1: Tim Gray has a couple of points on this. Yes, yeah, firstly, next. the
2: Slough Corinthians have been the Thames Corinthians for quite a while now. Because nobody sorry. wants to use the word Slough in their name, obviously. Okay. Uh, not since the office.
1: Uh, also, I, I thought I was making that up, actually, but well done. for. Do, the, for do,
14: do people of Corinth not get bothered by the amount of people who steal their... who uh, appropriate
2: their name? Possibly.
1: They Cultural it app- appropriation, though. big thing nowadays. Not like champagne. And <laughs> second point?
2: Um, obviously... This week uh, was the anniversary of Live Aid. Yeah. I watched a documentary about.
4: Uh... I was there! Were you? Yeah. Obviously. I was in Tenerife. I, I, well, I actually went to Wembley and bought six tickets from the box office with face value and gave them to my friend. P- mm. Gave them my friend. They paid me the face value for it. Just think now, six tickets, like that would be about £7,000 each, wouldn't they? Mm.
2: Would well, well, you believe I
4: was marshalling an auto test?
2: Market?
1: I would. I would believe you were marshalling an auto test. And I witnessed
14: the greatest piece of motor of driving I've ever seen. I'm not going to bother explaining it on there, but I genuinely I witnessed the greatest. It's funny, auto testing when it was done by old people before it was called Jim Carner and cool.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I I used to be um, involved in stuff like that. Uh, what's the live feed connection?
2: Well, obviously. Um... When the press conference announcing Live Aid, which was live, the press conference was live on Radio 1, hosted by Richard Skinner, when that happened, Bob Geldof didn't have any acts signed up and just announced this A to Z of everyone who'd appear and dared them not to turn up. And this press conference that Ray Ebenham did reminds me very much of that, because he mm. said, we're going to have Scott Dixon, Tony Kanaan, Jimmy Johnson, uh, Gordon, Juan Pablo Montoya, Paul Tracy, and short track racers. Mm-hmm. he's not
14: going to have any of them it's it's like the uh, indycar when they said when they introduced the uh the body kits oh yeah we're going to get british aerospace and and dassault are going to come in and do a and listed all the all the people who could have and none of them did of course <laughs> so uh
1: and is it just like roger penske saying we're going to get ferrari i uh, will talk about, we'll talk that, about that later because
2: that will happen
1: <laughs> we'll see dex thanks for being with us tonight mate everything all right My with you and yours
14: all all wonderful just prepping myself for busy a uh, few days ahead with racing on friday and saturday with my clients so. all right
1: mate have a good one best to thank uh, you cara and the wee man see you soon all right bye bye cheers fella dex den uh, dex brennan uh, joining us uh, let's say hello to share adam who joins us hello share hello john hello Cher. and how are you
16: I'm doing well, thanks, how
1: are you? I'm good, good, all, all is well, everybody's well, that's the main thing, we're all busy as well and we're going to be busy uh, this weekend, talk about that in a moment, but I'm sure Tim wants to talk about Road America well, and bef- not one, but two IndyCar races.
2: Well before that, I've just got one more point oh. about SRX, which is, okay. why announce it this week when it's being completely overshadowed by the NASCAR All-Star Race, which uh, starts very soon? That's just and it's a nearly
16: impossible to be overshadowed when it has glowing lights under all the cars.
1: Ba-dum. Ba-dum. Very good. I like what you did there. Uh,
2: Do we like okay. the lights? Uh,
16: TBD?
1: I'm going to be out on a limb here. I'm afraid I am a big fan of glowing lights underneath certain cars. It's the Fast and Furious in me. I can't help it.
2: And these
16: cars? Fast and Furious for you.
1: Yeah, I, I like it. I like it. I think it's good. I like I like the LEDs round the the top of the cars at Le Mans. I like them underneath the car. I like them on the side of the the 4 J 4G, the 4GTs at Le Mans. I think it's cool. I I come from a different era. I accept that. I added lights to my first Hillman Avenger. <laughs> I added <laughs> yellow marker lights because you couldn't get yeah, because it was an American jo- thing.
4: John they weren't lights. Some time ago, they were special
1: windproof candles, weren't they? No, no, they were lights. <laughs> <laughs> they were lights. Did they go hey, out I,
2: if you drove too fast?
1: No, but I did have all my lights on separate switches, particularly my tail lights and my brake lights, so that I could have them uh, off um, if I needed to uh, upset someone if they were following me down a country lane. Right. And
4: ho- hopefully oh. on separate on fuses.
2: Them. It, it, yeah, wasn't, exactly.
4: it, it wasn't exactly. It wasn't because your Dynamo couldn't handle the power drain. No, then. God,
1: no. It was, <laughs> I never had a car with a Dynamo. Didn't I've you? never had a car with a Dynamo. Oh, like, I've a car never... out there a Dynamo it. I'm, I'm surprised. Right, let's go to IndyCar. Two races two. at the weekend. Yes. Uh, at Road America. Bonkers start to both races. Shay, and a new winner in race two.
16: Yeah, well, still the same team. So, sort of... A new winner it's it's still uh chip ganassi racing being dominant St- scott dixon started off the weekend making it three wins in a row and made
1: it look easy in that first race with good oh strategy my, but yes. my goodness me that was impressive
16: it, it really was and i i have to confess i was watching the race with three other people who two of the three are you know racing fans at one point, I looked over, and the three other people in the room with me were all completely passed out, sound asleep. So <laughs> the entire race wasn't that stimulating, but the performance by Scott Dixon, and particularly to hold off the competition, it was—it really was. It was something to be seen. The second race, as you were, oh, thinking, we should just start... mention a
1: big hit for Connor Daly. Um, yes, uh, in the first race, dislocated his shoulder. Uh, and yeah. Nick is grimacing because um, he has had shoulder problems for some time and then got back in the car on Sunday after it was put back in with the tight it- belts. I just don't even want to think about that, Nick, do you? Ow. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you could see his face. We, we never um, spoke about
2: Lando's bruises, did we, when we talk about Formula One?
1: No, we can leave that. Don't worry. Um, uh, start the second race. Um <laughs> Will to power was not... He was kissing, but without confidence. He kissed everything, didn't he?
2: He, He's the reason why we've got a young uh, new winner and uh, none of the old guard are doing well in IndyCar. Because he ran into most of them. He took all of them out.
16: It's extraordinary. (laughs) Well, but in all honesty, it started in the back of the pack, though, The. before the green was even thrown, coming up at the top of the hill, I think it was Askew got on his brakes and that resulted in Connor Daly running into the back of him. And then it threw off the last three rows completely and Pagano got a great start. And it, it was really, really um, ugly to watch from the outside. But then everybody's attention was drawn away by the silver car, taking out Ryan hunter Ray and then taking out Graham Hall and just sort of bouncing around like a little bit of a ping pong ball. Really strong performance from Pato Ward by far. Uh, he was the superstar of the race. But as they had talked about in the broadcast the day before, why in the world would you go back on to use reds? Because yeah. that's been the kiss of death last year. And then again, in race two, Pato put on the used reds, he elected for the used reds, it should be say, Felix Rosenfest went for new blacks, and Felix Rosenfest passed Pato Award, like it was kind of easy with a couple laps to go winding up in Chip Ganassi's Fourth consecutive win, and more importantly, the Swede's first win in IndyCar. So it was a pretty cool thing to get to see Felix taking that first checkered flag.
1: I felt a little bit sorry for Pato. Um, I don't think he needed to blame back Marcus, to be honest. No, for, for that, I, th- I thought that was a bit uncool. Um, but. Hmm uh never mind never mind about that let's uh let's move on to a bit of ims related news it's actually elms news and we will have the elms uh preview uh coming up next actually we should say that uh that's uh, indycar uh, racing again it's another double header this weekend here at iowa
16: it is and one interesting thing that they've done that i did just want to touch on really quickly it's one qualifying session yeah. for the two races Your first flying lap is your starting position for the first race and your second flying lap is your starting position for the second race. So you only get the two laps out there. You get, you know, your warm up lap green flag for lap one, lap two, checkered flag. So it does put a lot more pressure on the driver to get two good laps instead of doing an average of the two laps. That's going to be interesting. Uh, first race is Friday night and second race is Saturday night.
1: Um, as I said, we're going to have the LMS preview again. Johnny and I talking about the European Le Mans series last night at 8 o'clock. Things have moved on since then. We've had some practice down at Paul Ricard and some worrying news coming through about Catherine Legshay.
16: Yeah, she was involved in a crash in testing this morning over in France. She suffered a broken lower left leg, a sprained right wrist. Uh, She does need surgery for the right leg, but she was uh, asking the doctors if she was going to be ready to go for Road America in two weeks' time. So Kat always thinking about racing, and we send our best wishes and thoughts to both her and her dad, Derek, who's there at the track, too. So we know that at least she's in good hands over with him. But, uh, yeah, very disturbing to wake up and see that one of your friends has been involved in But it looked like a scary accident.
1: And it it does actually put a question mark over that car, even if it can be fixed, because the third driver in that car, Sophia Flourish, uh, is racing F3 this weekend. So at the moment, Tatiana Calderon is on her own.
16: Yeah, and it's a bit of an interesting situation uh, that was developing even before this weekend began as to Sophia and, and her uh formula three drive her f3 plans for the year so tatiana and Kat were really looking forward to driving the car just the two of them really sort of getting stuck into the prototype experience um but it does mean that they are now a woman down in effect and if the car can be repaired who is the the woman who can step into that role because the richard mill the the deal is women in motorsport so you wonder who would be available to step into that position we know uh Kat's full-time IMSA co-driver, Christina Nielsen, she's still over in Denmark. She could come down for that sort of situation, but she hasn't driven a car with Downforce before, so that Uh. would be a learning experience too. Um, It's more likely, in my opinion, that the car would be withdrawn than they would get someone else to drive it because Kat does have very big shoes to fill. Um, But it does put a question mark over their driver lineup for the remainder of the season too.
1: Um, Let's get on to IMSA at the weekend. Three... Three races and uh, Friday and Saturday. uh, The big race, of course, um, is uh, on Saturday, just the two hours uh, and 40 minutes of that. Uh, IMSA Pilot Challenge restarts its season. Uh, and the IMSA Mission Pilot Challenge, and the IMSA Prototype Challenge uh, as well, uh, with its second round of the season. And we, we heard earlier on in our breaking story, and thank you to all at TGM for letting us uh, have that exclusive. Uh, the press release has gone out now. TGM not going to be involved, but as we said at the time, if you're not going to be involved, uh, then trying to solve the riddle of the COVID-19 not the... Uh, Uh, Not the worst thing to be doing rather than racing, is it?
16: (laughs) It's true. And uh, Ted Giovannis is someone who I've been fascinated with talking to for many years because of his medical expertise and his drive to try and find uh, an answer to some of these diseases that plague humanity. So if anybody can put their mind to something like COVID-19 and come out with a way for us to, to, as he said, he didn't want to put it that way, but get back to normalcy, i definitely put my money on Ted. Mm.
1: Uh, And as far as Prototype Challenge uh, and Michelin Pilot Challenge is concerned, obviously they've had an even longer uh, layoff. Pilot Challenge, actually, their last race was, uh, sorry, uh, Prototype Challenge, their last race was at the Raw, so first week of January.
16: Yeah, and uh, how about this, as we consider the driving duo, the full season duo in the winning car back in January was uh, JJ Square, Jonathan George and Joel Janko. (laughs) They were also the ones who won at uh, the Encore. So they're looking at a two race win streak. And if we go to Pilot Challenge, we find the exact same thing with the GT4 class of things. In GS, Dylan Murray and Jim Cox won both the race in January and the Encore. Oh. So we've got a nice little bit of symmetry running there.
1: And a fourth uh, Hyundai uh, in, in the TCR class emission pilot challenge for Brian Hurtner of Auto Sports.
16: Yeah, and they've actually been testing the last couple of days. I don't know where, but I was talking with Mark Wilkins yesterday and he was just saying how relieved he was to be back in a car. The new Hyundai, it looks great. It's white with the lime green accents that we saw on the Starworks Audi last year when Vertical Bridge was sponsoring that car. That's of course, Parker Chase's association and he's not one of the Hyundai drivers. So it's gonna be a nice looking field for TCR. Unfortunately, we are down one of our expected drivers in that class as Ryan Eversley's full-season co-driver, Taylor Hagel, has been diagnosed with COVID-19 oh, no. and will not be participating. So I believe it's Dakota Dickerson who's taking her seat for this race.
1: Wow. That's a, yeah. that's a good hire. is it hire. a good
16: opportunity?
1: Yeah, and great for Dakota. Uh, that, that is a good hire, though. I, I think, well, that's a car that we're going to have to watch uh, with a, a bit of... Uh, look, we will have Brian Till and Jeremy Shaw uh, on the play-by-play for the for the prototype challenge. Jeremy and I will take duties for Michelin Pilot Challenge and the WeatherTech uh, Sports Car Championship. Uh, just getting news through that we will be able to do full coverage of all sessions of WeatherTech. Sports Car Championship will do qualifying and the race for Michelin, and we will do the race for part for Prototype Challenge at the weekend. Uh, check the website, our website, radio for details of the times uh, with the time difference to Europe from Florida. Of course, uh, it is Friday and Saturday only. Uh, for that, all on RS2 and we will have uh, the international feed up as well if you're not in the US or you're not in a territory that has network television then the international feed uh, for all of those events will be up and of course we will have the, uh, the feed unblocked the video feed unblocked for qualifying in the US and we've got Sirius XM as well, looking forward to it here
16: Oh, you have no idea. I'm so excited. I love racing at Sebring and I just, I think it's going to be a really exciting uh, race, but I I know I was the little dark storm cloud for the last one. It's going to be even worse for this one, John. There are oh, severe thunderstorms projected for Friday and Saturday. And today, when I was talking to Johnny Knotts, they had to stop setup because there was lightning in the area.
1: Can't, can't be any worse than the Creventic at the weekend at Monza, where we couldn't see the edge of the track from the camera that wasn't 20 yards <laughs> uh, away from it. Shay will be bringing us our uh, VP Racing Fuels. And thanks to them for jumping on board with IMSA Radio. Uh, Our VP Racing Fuels uh, pit reports and in-race interviews, that's all Friday and Saturday. Uh, Keep an eye on that uh, at the weekend as well. Tim, what else have we got?
2: Uh, We've got the European Le Mans Series and the Michelin Le Mans Cup, both on RS1.
1: Both on RS1. That's what we've got time for. With Johnny Palmer and Bruce Jones. Thanks to all our guests tonight uh, and to you for listening at SpecUttainment. Stay tuned for a reprise of the ELMS preview with the voice of the ELMS, Johnny Palmer. That comes next, but there's no time to explain. Uh, the Lama is on Auto Trader looking for a Hellman Avenger.
0: This program is a radio show limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLamont.com.